Willow Talk Podcast. Will no topic is off limits. Now here's your host, Mind Daddy, and Void of Soul. Thank you for coming to the Willow Talk Podcast. Boom Talk Boom. In three, two, one. Daniel Bartle. Let's go. Lucid Flows. What up? One of my most returned guests. I don't think you've had the most appearances on here, but you're up there. I th- was I at four. I was I was ahead of the pack for quite a while. And yeah, then, and then COVID, and um, you know, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's been a minute. It's it has minute. it has been a minute since you've been here. Yes. Yeah, we've been in touch, but it's it's good. It's good to it's be. It's been back a hot on. minute, to be honest with you. Uh, I get in my head a lot as we were kind of discussing earlier, but outside of those issues that I'm dealing with, I just get in my head a lot. And I thought without even talking to you about, I just thought like we somehow had like a falling out. Like maybe you weren't like, I thought maybe you didn't. Oh, that's funny. I thought maybe you got upset with me over some stuff or something. Uh, I was like, Oh man, I wonder if I did something wrong. Cause it, it, to be honest with you, it was, you hooked me up with a guest, uh, Jackie Wynn. Yeah, Jackie. Yeah. And I thought maybe some things were said in that podcast that you didn't jive with. If you, I didn't even know. I don't even know if you listened to it. I, I oh thought, no, I, I listened to it. I don't remember hearing anything that um, I enjoyed that podcast. I think you were in your head because I didn't. I I have not felt that way at all. That all right, good. I've been enjoying watching what you're doing, and um, you know we we've messaged a little bit, but I. I totally understand uh, what you're talking about. I have a lot of presumption that goes, um, you know, I'm self-employed, so I field a lot of projects and every person that you talk to, if it's um, just walking through what a project could entail or, or whatever, it's like so many different personalities and so many different people who are triggered by so many different things or chill in so many different ways. And it's a, it's, it's like a, a, tiptoe through the tulips kind of dance to um to get along with everybody and i think a lot of that's you know the text email just right. interpersonal um is that the right way the um, the lack of personal communication mm-hmm. it leaves a lot of room for interpretation like <laughs> key and peel did that funny um sketch a long time ago where like their text is two dudes texting back and forth and they're saying the exact same thing. They're reading, they're both reading it, but one dude is like smoking a bong and just chill. And the other dude's like, Oh, 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 you know, I, I don't remember which is which. So, um, it's a very real thing, but I didn't feel that at all, man. I get that now, but just, it was just yeah. something in my head. I was like, Oh, maybe just cause no, cause I, I, I love Jackie. I love you. I love that podcast. Um, she's gone on to do some really cool stuff. Just opened her brick and mortar, um cafe cafe so i've done she blew up after the podcast boy she's like just been destined to um blow up like her traveling broadway personality um actress personality like you hear stories from any of those people like you want to you want to meet somebody who's ready for rejection who's like going to bounce back anytime they feel rejection and who's going to put in a hundred and fifty thousand percent to any opportunity is like actors and actresses who, yeah. um, uh, cause I don't know the, the stories that you hear, um, if, and when those stories appear they're you know, on shit that I would really have a tough time 
um, putting up with, like staying motivated, staying driven. She, she impressed the hell out of me. Um, and she's stayed driven, like so, so many setbacks. And I'm not even aware of so many of them, um, just peripherally uh, a handful. And I could have seen any of those just, you know, kind of crushing me or whatever. Because um, you got overhead, you got, you know, like she's always crushing the social media game. She's um, got that shit on lock. Yeah, dude, for real. And and a following that is ridiculous. We went to, I took my two daughters to this most recent opening. So this is her brick and mortar, which she's been working for. Down since, in Columbus Park. Um, since COVID started and she had to hop off. The tour got canceled. She was on Miss Saigon, I believe. And mm-hmm. this was like her backup was go to Kansas City, start a, a Vietnamese coffee shop. Um, authentic and, and uh, sort of a centric a community for authentic culture and representing the Asian community. And she's a champion for pretty much like any, um, underprivileged or underrepresented groups. Um, and she's created this community, this following this, um, devotion level fan base, the open for the grand opening for this brick and mortar. It's in Columbus park. And um, I did Cafe Cafe for all those out there listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cafe Cafe. It's in Columbus Park. It's got plenty of parking. It's very pedestrian friendly. Highly recommend um, going and getting a delicious beverage, probably iced coffee right now, but maybe the hot coffee here in a few weeks. And take a picture out in front of um, the mural I did uh, on on the exterior wall. But there were there are murals all over that place, and I didn't do any of the interior murals. That was these two really crowded. Uh, really talented artists that came in from out of town. Uh, she had a really talented, um, artist do her window signage and the whole space is just like curated. Every square inch, um, is thought through and really fun and really exciting and very vibrant and energetic and stuff. And, th- and that opening dude, it was so, so crowded. It was so crowded. The line for actually getting coffee went around, like two blocks to where the people that were in line couldn't even see the opening ceremony. The mayor was there, which my daughters were extremely excited to actually see like a real life mayor. Um, so that was, that was really cool. And, um, she had dancing dragons and, um, there were like the, uh, they remind me of like Kodo drummers, like the Japanese drummers, but I'm sure that I'm culturally ignorant. (laughs) So like the, I'm guessing the Vietnamese uh, version of that, but it was just like drummers in the street and it was really um, lively and energetic. And there were so, so, so many people there. It was, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, devotional level of, uh, of fan base and, and a customer base, like people who care as much about a person as they do about the product. Like, I don't even know how you, how you cultivate that, but uh, by being really I got my theories. authentic and, um, real is what I think. Like she gets real vulnerable on social media and stuff. I, I, I would have trouble doing that. I have trouble like posting a video where I feel like, Oh, that's my bad side. That angle makes my, it look like I have bags under my eyes, which oh. I, I do. I've, you know, I'm <laughs> like Rami Malik right under the eyeballs, but um, you're a handsome son of a bitch. Thank you, man. Thank you. Oh, little Macklemore. It's, I know. Right. Uh, my homie Joker sent me a picture of a, a stand-up comedian who's really popular right now he's basically like a looks like a jacked version of me but i can't remember what his name is right now anthony jeselnik uh it doesn't sound right but i have a bad memory too okay. so i don't really know um but yeah macklemore like i've gotten that since he was <laughs> Boy, underground sure. yeah 
Yeah, but it's accurate, you know. <laughs> you could easily go to like, if he were like to come here in concert. Well, actually, I think he was just here not too long ago, actually. Uh, maybe just a few weeks ago. You could probably go to wherever he was in concert and like sneak in and just pretend you were him. Put those shades on you're wearing and just like, what's up? What You're not going to let me into my own show? <laughs> Take pictures with fans? You could easily pull like a cool YouTube video, prank video type, uh, type It'd be thing. worth trying. Yeah, for sure. Because I'll bet that if I were dressed right, I could get past like remedial security or something or like run through the crowd and get a whole lot of uh, undeserved attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd love to do uh, like live art for him on stage. You know, we could come out and be like, yo, which is which? And then just start painting myself and it would look like him. So I'm just like doing a self-portrait. But um, everyone think I'm doing a big painting of Macklemore. Ooh, I saw that dope. that portrait you did the other day, or you posted recently at a show you were at, where you painted on stage. Was that Lou Rip? Yeah, uh, last show that Lou Rip had, he was rocking a set at Record Bar, which I love that venue. Record Bar, I, great. I was a real late comer to finally going and checking out a show there, because um, the old Record Bar in Westport, like. Uh, I busted my chops real hard there. A lot of times, um, so many stage shows, that place was very, very welcoming. And the new spot, um, the home, the homie, uh, steady P he like books the shows and stuff there. And he's been doing a really good job setting up really cool shows. Mm -hmm. And so what I've been trying to do is add, so I, I rap as well. I guess I don't know whoever's listening to this, if they know that I'm an artist or a muralist or, um, that I, I do hip hop too, but it's definitely like the, the lesser thing that I do not, not in quality, not in passion, but, um, in, you know, professionalism or whatever. So I like to rock a set. I like to rock a mic. I can do it impressively, but then like, if I can get up and also have, um, like a canvas on the back of the stage, I did the same thing for my homie UB. He had a show there or I rocked a set and I just kind of was behind him doing live art. I'd like to get him on. That'd be great. Yeah. He'd be a great guest. I'll holler at him when, uh, when he said he would done. years ago. And then I reached out for him and reached out again to him and he just kind of ducked me. There have been a lot of times that it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been the right time. Yeah. The questions you might've started asking wouldn't have been ones. That, I still got some questions for him. He might not love. Yeah. But it, you know, uh, might be, but I mean, I would do it in a easier talk, easier topics to tackle now. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, know. Um, I know he's been through, I, just told the whole Cess crew has kind of gone through some shit in the past three years. Yeah. See, I have a piece I started for one at one of their shows. It was a live art piece and it's, it is sick. It's one of my favorite pieces, but I stopped working on it um, because I was like, I don't know if there's a Cess crew that I'm like painting this for. So um, I was kind of waiting for a clarification before I put any more hours in that. I still finish it sometime. Um, but I, so last show he rocked there i did um live art and i did like a ubi piece um and then i did at lou rips show set i rocked rocked about half the set with lou uh so i only had 20 minutes or something to actually work on the painting oh nice um so i'm still getting it down there was a show that i rocked at out past liberty um that was kind of it was, it was sort of a festival-y show or whatever. And so I had some hours with open space so I could use spray paint and um, rock a slightly bigger 
board and that I finished before, you know, before I left, but I probably, probably, you know, I needed like two or three hours or something. If I, if I plan it out, I'm feeling like I could knock out a, a solid piece in like 30 minutes, um, for a show set. If I do like enough prep where I just have the canvas ready to go and stuff like kind of taped off and, um, I probably have like a spray painted background that I just paint on top of. Do you already have an idea of what you want to do when you're going up there? I've done it both ways and it, I've found that it's good to have an idea because <laughs> otherwise you will waste crucial time trying to make decisions that if you can just make those decisions beforehand, it's really better for everyone. It's better for, um, for the artists so that they're not so frustrated while they're trying to, you know, channel a vision and people are coming up and like kind of drunkenly talking to them, which is, that's like one of my favorite parts of doing live art and murals is the interacting interaction, but it's almost like you have to budget an amount of like distraction time. You know what I mean? And, um, like I've seen friends of mine who have, uh, you know, they have signs that they put out and it's basically like, Hey, here's information on us. You can scan this QR code, um, go to my website, uh, you know, no offense, but we're working, got my headphones on. Don't bug me. Right. That kind of thing. Like people should know better. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no. They see you up there doing your thing. They should not be. I don't know. Uh, They get excited though. Like, and I've had, I've had a lot of people come up and talk to me that I'm glad they did. You know, um, I've met, uh, people that worked for, um, local publications or who are involved in arts programs here that, um, or even people who are representatives of the city that I'm painting in and just wanted to stop by and say hi and that kind of thing. And those are really valuable conversations to have. Or, um, I love young artists who, uh, you know, they might have some questions or something and I can at least take the time to invite them to, um, hit me up on online email, social mm-hmm. media, whatever. Cause, um, you know, a lot of what I'm able to do now professionally, uh, is built on tricks of the trade that were passed down to me or that I learned from other people and some from watching them. Some people actually, you know, taking me under their wing a little bit and teaching me stuff, you know, um, a a real mix. And I feel like it's our duty to pass that along. So like really, and this is an open inviting one listening. If you have an interest or a passion in art, you know, never hesitate to reach out. I don't know that I have, uh, the, the knowledge to help or the capacity to help. But if I do, I'm more than happy to engage in conversation. Um, when I, you know, when I have time, be patient with me. Uh, yeah. But you know, circling back, man, I was, yeah, I, I never even fathomed being upset with you about anything. (laughs) Um, okay, good. Yeah. And I've just been looking forward to an opportunity to get back on the show and to catch up, um, maybe like grab a drink or something. Uh, I think we were going to grab a drink a a couple couple weeks ago ago, and, like I had COVID, the family had COVID, um, fun stuff. It's going around again right now. Yeah. This, ours was pretty, uh, pretty mild. They keep getting lighter, yeah. more mild. Yeah. I, I could be totally ignorant about this, but I was explaining to my daughter how, um, you know, viruses, they don't want to kill us. They want to be, uh, symbiotic with their hosts. Right. And so as a, as a virus stays around longer, uh, it becomes more compatible with our immune system yeah, and it becomes I'm, more contagious and less threatening. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, um, like some other people kind of see us as a potential virus on this planet. I feel like, you know, if we're 
consciously trying to um that's poppycock to me <laughs> i get it i understand it but i don't know this this planet's pretty strong oh yeah but you know our body beats the viruses we have a fever we kill it off it goes away i'm i, I just don't want us to get killed off oh know? well you we're gonna I mean? get killed off one way or another uh, my daughter, my uh, nine-year-old, was telling me about uh, an asteroid. She was like, "There's an asteroid that's gonna collide with Earth." And I was like, "I don't, I haven't heard anything about that." You know, let's Google it real quick. And um, lo and behold, like 2029 20, in April, there's an asteroid that's supposed to pass within 23,000 miles. It happens all the time of Earth, and it's like this one's the size of the Empire State Building. Um, it's supposed to pass actually. I think between like the satellites in the atmosphere. Um, so there's not like an immediate threat that this would actually cause, um, a, any kind of catastrophic event, but it's going to be crazy close. And, you know, scientists are worried that the passing through our atmosphere could affect its trajectory where then in like 2068, it would possibly then be on course to collide with us. So we take this opportunity to just blow it up or to redirect it or something. And so I, I just had like this weird hunch or whatever because um, it was on like April 13th. And then, so I like looked up what day of the week and lo and behold, it's fucking Friday the 13th. But, <laughs> and uh, 2029, that's supposed to pass by. And so my instinct is like, just leave it be, man. Like Leave it be? I w- yeah, man. You don't, you don't need to go fucking around with uh, laws of nature. We got some smart Friday people the out there. That ain't, I mean, I guess that's nature. It's, you, there it's are universe people. nature. There are a lot of smart people, but who's in charge? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, we need to get Elon Musk involved with this. I don't know, man. Um, I, yeah, there's that. That's my wheelhouse. I'm always thinking about meteors and catastrophic events like that. Um, and we just don't we don't put enough of our resources into that kind of research. Like we don't have we we can't see every everything around us out in space like we we can't see towards the sun and behind the sun and that's like the big blind spot where a meteor could come and we don't see it coming until it's too late we can't even see the dark side of the moon yeah never know what's setting up shop over there i think china's doing shit over there aren't they i don't know uh (laughs) do you ever watch space force on netflix steve carell no Um, i didn't get into it it's it's a little silly but uh (laughs) But it's pretty funny. They they struck some some things sort of right about the China U.S. relationship. Like it, it kind of became the the moon became kind of a um what would you call it like a really like a battleground, but in like a real immature like toddler way or whatever, <laughs> like driving over each other's flags and and shit. Um, as pretty funny show, you know. Don't uh. Don't take my word for it. I like Steve Carell. It looked like it was a good show. I, I just, I don't watch a whole lot of shows. I don't watch a, I, Smart. I, I, yeah. I'm a, I like YouTube stuff. Like I'm really big into vlog type stuff and just mm-hmm. people that are creating things themselves other than like big studio type. Considering what you do, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have increasingly gone from feeling like reels and um tiktok were just ridiculous to being pretty entertained by where some people have taken them and uh like regularly tuning in because um oh they'll suck you in 
Yeah. <laughs> that TikTok will suck you in. I, yeah, I stayed off it for a long time because I knew it was going to be a problem. Yeah. And then I posted one video on there just dicking around. And I was like, this stupid thing. I have no followers. I didn't do any hashtags or anything. And it was like, I got like 600 views immediately. I was like, whoa, that's kind of a lot for nothing. And right. And I just yeah. got hooked on it. Like, you do stupid shit. I got one on there that's got like 30-something thousand views. Just a video of my daughter's room makeover. Uh, dude, I'll spend 40 hours on an illustration and get 23 likes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but people, I think they grab, gravitate towards the authentic and like the, it's almost like if you had a really funny friend and they're just like jacking around or whatever, like tune in, be a fly on the wall with the, the group of friends or with someone's, you know, extreme creativity. There's a lot of trash on there too. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of nice asses. That's what I, my my feed is, yoga pants. <laughs> that's the default, man. That's, I, I know. That's the absolute default. Um, you can <laughs> you can enter like, yeah, I'm really into nautical theme, and I really love, um, like I don't know, snorkeling. Leather. And then you see some chick snorkeling in nothing but a tight little bikini, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, you, the algorithm sees you watch that, and then throws more like asses and bikinis yeah snorkeling or whatever oh your eye yeah. didn't look away immediately <laughs> yeah. we got you yep yeah yeah and you have to like actively try and avoid that stuff um you know unless the mood strikes yeah yeah you can fuck with your algorithm and just look at puppies and get nothing but puppy videos uh yeah i'm i'm more on the other side i Me watch too. um nature is met nature's like, metal nature's yeah. yeah i follow that like oh yeah they've some of some of it I don't need to see, you know, such gory stuff, but some is real interesting, man. A bobcat chasing a ferret up a tree or something. Like, damn, those things are fast. Will the shark or the alligator win? Like, I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. See that? You even scroll down. It's just like UFC or something. So it's like, I don't know, shark versus alligator. Um, yeah, I saw so some lions taking on a alligator or crocodile. I mean, th- yeah. I would. I think it would be a crocodile, but it could have been in Texas and been an alligator. I don't know. I can't. I'm no expert, but it's like, whoa, these lions are taking this thing on. And there's nothing alligator can or the crocodile can do about it. He can kind of snap back, but these cats yeah. get out of the way and just grab its leg and pull it a little bit. There, it's yeah. I, I do like nature as metal. Yeah, I'm yeah. Into, yeah, I'm into that stuff. I like I like it all. The gruesome stuff doesn't bother me. I think it's. I think people need to see that. I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's important uh, to get your eyes on a little bit as long as you're not, you know, if if you're getting like pleasure out of it, then which I think some people do um, not like sexual pleasure, although right. that could ha- that could exist. But sure it does. But it's almost like uh, if you, I think it's healthy to be interested in it to, and to not avert your eyes just because um, and that account specifically, you know, he he posts um what i feel are like pretty mindful statements about uh what he posts and why he does and it's not because he just likes watching oh it's not about the apart. gore it's, yeah yeah it's about like education the raw uh the raw brutality of nature and that's something that we're just societally so insulated from it's easy to forget that that is really just inches away you know oh yeah um and I think personally that's healthy, but I'm also, um, you know, I'm a dude. So like, I think it's healthy to, you know, think about 
death and self-defense and situational awareness and you know uh and just know what's out there and and be thankful that uh we've crafted a society that we're not battling these things on a day-to-day like we did thousands of years ago yeah yeah man you know we have these nice walls we can and shut the door and lock the door we don't have to worry about yeah, um, a lion my, uh, kicking it down and eating us. My wife and I were in uh, South Africa a whole lot of years back before we started having kids, so it was uh, like a decade-ish, a little over a decade. And we did a horseback ride through Drakensberg, which is just absolutely gorgeous countryside, but there's like baboons everywhere. And the baboon, oh, when you get scary. anywhere near it, dude, they're enormous, and their teeth are as long as your forearm, and they spook the horses. And, and um, I got like... Uh, absolutely nervous, you know, riding riding a horse through some trees where you know there's baboons like lurking, and the horse obviously knows it because it's getting like, you know, a little bit a little bit jerky, a little bit um, uh, skittish, and you're just cognizant of like how helpless you are. Like you you might weigh more, but it's oh, gonna stronger r- than you. No, it's gonna rip you to shreds. Rip like, you up. Ab- yeah, I believe baboons. St- have stolen dogs and trained them. I believe that's the one. I believe they've wow. done that. Train that's to, awesome. Mm-hmm, train them, I think, is kind of like how we do, like guard dogs. Like uh-huh. they just have them, tra- you know, feed them a little bit, and they k- keep the perimeter. And when someone something's coming, they are alerted. Uh, you know, to believe that nature is not learning alongside us and watching us and what we do would be, in my mind, very naive. So not to say that, you know, monkeys would be technically not a monkey. I learned this recently that a monkey is actually a specific type of um, primate. But uh, all monkeys are apes, but not all apes are monkeys. See, I'm going to fuck it up. But um, (laughs) it's like I I try and be halfway like specific and correct, but but only really halfway Uh, because, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh what were we going to say? I was thinking about capuchin monkeys for some reason. They're sticks and like anthills, which. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what like this, this illustration is based on. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, there was a, a photograph of this. I want to say it's an orangutan. And he he's spearfishing. And there's some there's some scientists, biologists out there that are theorizing that they're starting to enter the Stone Age. Some some primates are starting to enter the Stone Age because they're starting to use these tools. So maybe not Stone Age, but whatever before Stone Age because they're not using stones. But yeah, he's out there with with a long spear, you know, a stick that he made to his spear, and he's looking to spear yeah. fish in this river. He's hanging off a branch with his spear, and he's trying to spear these. And they're thinking he obviously learned that from from people. Yeah, I view technology. Um, as not just something that we are creating, but something that's kind of um, using us as a medium to to grow and evolve. In the same way that we have, you know, we don't just cultivate corn. Um, you know, Michael Pollan fans, what up? Um, but yeah, we don't just cultivate corn. Like the corn um, has, you know, changed itself and initially or like, cultivated itself to be the preferred uh like type of corn the same way that you know fruits have evolved to um to attract birds and 
you know, instill its fruit with the sort of flavor that the birds will eat it and, you know, take the seed and go poop it somewhere else. And mm-hmm. it's like the manure is already the, um, the fertilizer. And it's just like this absolutely brilliant kind of, um, uh, co beneficial dynamic. And I feel like technology is a little bit the same way. I, th- I feel like it's not always doing or evolving in the way that I, th- that it seems like we would, want it to if we we're totally in charge of it right and we're sort of the soil and it's sort of this thing growing through us and if that is at all correct then it's not going to stop with us technology will you know it'll grow through everything else yeah eventually. somebody said let me think if i can get this phrase right but we're we're like the caterpillar that doesn't know it's going to be a butterfly mm-hmm. as technology is integrating itself. We don't even know why we want, why do we want, I have an iPhone, whatever, one of the newer, I don't even have the newest one, iPhone 11 or some shit like that. And I don't need the newest one, but I know I'm going to get it. But why? I don't need it. And because that's how us humans are. We always want the newest, most improved, better piece of technology. Yeah. We don't know why, but we keep striving for that. I better computers, so faster computers. And it's like, are we just this this weird caterpillar that's building this cocoon that's going to be a butterfly that we're not even aware of yet, or we don't even know what's it doing, why we're doing it? We're just doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's like a sort of social dependency, you know, the needing to be accepted and needing to not be left aligned, left behind. And there's kind of this anxiety that has been fostered by the marketing around technology that if you don't keep up with it you will be left behind and and that's very overt you know i think if society decided or a large enough pocket was like man windows 7 like we're just going back to windows 7 and society's going to be built around windows 7 and we're you know um just going to dig our feet in the sand then it it would stop it but like how i don't know how are you going to do that like how are you going to stop? See, like technology, it feels like it's its its own thing. It's its growing. It's manipulating in its own us. Way. That's how it's I, manipulating us into building these sentient, artificial, intelligent we, machines that are going to eventually take over, perhaps. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, how many stories are there of AI surpassing us intellectually in like nanoseconds and just, um, you know, it's. Uh, it's scary to me as an artist. I was, you know, the old adage, the old adage, uh, the, the adage that if you want to have a job in the future, do what a computer can't do or, you know, robots can't do or whatever. Right. Um, and I always kind of assumed that art was going to be one of those things. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, dude. The- <laughs> There's some shit out there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, making like Turner masterpieces and, um, they have this like vast sensibility that it's around the corner, man. I don't know. It's like, we need to, we need to work with them or we're going to get left in the dust. Yeah. We don't want to work against them. No. And so, (laughs) so what is, what does that say? How does that benefit us? Exactly. It's like, we, we convince ourselves that, that these uh, technological advents are tools for us to maximize our potential but then we never use it like that. I mean, it's like it's little making us pockets worse. of people. Exactly. We were just talking about TikTok 
and I'll find myself hours on that thing. It's subduing us. And I'm like, what? Well, I could have spent this time so much better doing something else. You could say that's just human nature because the people in power are the ones that want to stay in power. And so they're just like devising new um, machinations to keep us subdued, which that makes sense too. Um, but I also feel as though their subject, like the highest echelon of rich human beings and the people in the seats of power, I feel like they're as much subject um, to influence as we are, if not in some cases more. Um, and what drives them, you know, how, how much is that something they have control over? How much is that something else in the driver's seat telling them to make decisions that, because they're fucking unhappy. I mean, I, I know that there are some rich people that are very happy, but there's also, I guess, my exposure is through movies, so it's like the old, like, <laughs> Citizen Kane, you know, like, Rosebud oh, trying to by, get your childhood. Ooh, Citizen Kane, that was supposed to be Randolph Hearst, I think, right? I think so, I yeah. That's what it was supposed to be, but... Yeah. He was a wild dude. Boy, we... Yeah. Uh, my wife and I recently went to North Carolina, and we did the, um, the Biltmore, which is, like, the Vanderbilt family, uh, their estate, and, um, boy, it... I highly recommend anyone in North Carolina that is not already aware of the Biltmore or who has not already been, which probably is a small group of people, go check it out. It is really, it is really amazing. Um, and I don't know, in my mind, it's like a good, like if you're going to have them seed amount of money, because um, the Hearst family was like the richest family in America for um, some, some decades. They were like, uh, I think it was Cornelius was like railroads, you know, railroad tycoon. And then, um, diversified and it was his grandson that built this estate and at one point it was 200,000 acres um jeez but and so that is kind of like around a sensibility of like an appreciation of nature and a wanting to preserve nature also wanting to preserve the nature immediately around you so that nobody's you know bothering you or encroaching on you know your beauty but it's like basically you you own a whole mountain range that is everything you can see from um you know your castle like veranda um, as you're looking out, but like the whole house is just an absolute structural feat of, um, of like coolness, you know, so much obscene wealth becomes gaudy and this house is, it's beautiful, man. It's just really cool. The, uh, dude who did the gardens and all the area around it is the, the name's going to elude me, but it's the guy who designed central park and, it's like you drive miles in along the driveway, which it's not a driveway. It's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, seven miles of just bra oh. bragging of <laughs> like, Ooh, here's a koi pond. Here's, I don't know if there's actually koi in there cause you, you're driving, but just like beautiful arrangements of trees and plants and flowers and, and, uh, like the central park. Um, you know, in that design, the idea was that they didn't want people to look at it and, feel like it was cultivated or like feel like it was designed to have an a natural feel to it but it all was designed intentionally just to be aesthetically beautiful which it achieved so like every boulder like none of those boulders were there and they just like built the staircase around them this, this is again my remedial understanding but that they brought in like all the boulders and everything that built the hills and built the um the landscape in its entirety and this has a similar level of um central park was built like detail. that 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've never been to New York. I don't even, I don't know much about Central Park. I, I just. Freaking huge, I dude. guess for whatever reason, I just assumed they kind of. So big. Built the city around one big area and just said, we're going to keep I this. I know, right? Just keep yeah. this as, uh, you know, we can't, we have no nature to go to. We'll just give this for the people. But they, I, I mean, which I guess they did, but they built it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Highly, like every, every square foot, like intentional. Oh, wow. You know, that kind of thing. That's really cool. It, it really is. And if, you know, I've been to New York just a small handful of times and been to Central Park a few times and it, it's so vast, man. You know, you look on a map and you're like, oh, the MoMA is just on the other side of Central Park and it's like the narrow way. So like, we'll just walk over there. And then like an hour later, you're like, God damn, my feet hurt, you know, and <laughs> I, it's been a while. So, you know, maybe you can get across it in an hour and I'm talking on my ass, but, um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it feels like that. Definitely put New York on your bucket list, not because it's the best um, city in the nation. If you, you know, it's if, on there. I've just and I've been wanting to. Go, I've been going on vacations ever, really, ever since COVID started. I know when we started talking about this, where you were in Montana. Yeah, I was yeah. on Montana. Um, even while, while COVID was going, that was a great time to travel. It was super cheap. Yeah. And you'd go places, and it was vacant airlines. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. vacant. Yeah, you'd be on an airplane hardly anybody on it and then when you go i don't typically love big crowds and so when i'd go to places it wouldn't be a ton of people there which i would enjoy Mm -hmm. and now and it was like this catch-22 even like around the city here i'd be going out and i'd try to uh go to some of the establishments that you know it was during covid like all Mm -hmm. these small businesses had a really hard time surviving so I tried to make sure doing my part and like keeping these places up as much, you know, I'm not saying I saved them, but I was going to places that were still open. Yeah. yeah. And and you developed some cool friendships, like with some, some of the owners, like shout out to Kobe Q and, and when I'd go and it'd be like a catch 22, like, I love it that it's me and whoever I'm with. And we're like almost the only ones in here. Mm hmm. And now I go back. I'm like, what? What do you mean? No, I don't have a reservation. You mean I just can't come in here and sit my normal seat? Like, where the hell were all these people two years ago? That's like being a fan of Banksy before he blew up and being like, man, this guy's amazing. And then, um, you know, because I think someone turned me on to Banksy in like uh, probably like 99 or 2000 or something. And and so I was one of those people that was like, yo, you got to check this dude out. He's amazing. And then like, you know, once. um, Exit through the gift shop. Dude, yeah. Then you're like, fuck i can't i can't enjoy this i'm not gonna you know y'all can have them i guess yeah you know i you still gotta like you know in your in your heart you still respect and you're like i would do the same thing Uh, yeah it's a selfish thought to be like well this was my spot this was my artist yeah but you gotta and i've learned i gotta put that shit away and be like yo this is great for the business owner this is great for banksy like Mm -hmm. this is great for these people yeah and uh, like bands like that's the quintessential band experience i think with my wife like one of those was um uh shit now i'm gonna blank because i'm trying to try remember um who did oh incubus you know so oh, she yeah, like yeah. Uh, she was like in incubus and like their first second album stayed or whatever and then you know they blew up and so when i got introduced to them it was like they're like five albums deep or something yeah. and it was at um sandstone sandstone. (laughs) i love that people still call it sandstone i think it was actually sandstone when i saw it or 
you know, what? Yeah, my wife and I drove by it. The it's other always day. I was like, sandstone. I was like, what the? Whatever. F- I don't the even hell know it's what. It's been so many different is. things. No, it's sandstone. It's always sandstone. Yeah, just they they just need to stop trying to. You know, people trying to make bucks. Yeah. You know, let's change the name it's of the this. Verizon Wireless Amphitheater or whatever the hell it is. It's like no. Yeah. It's sandstone. And then a year later, it like changes. And then yeah. two years later, it changes. And no one's ever going to call it anything but sandstone because. I think that's just our showing our age too, though. Like how many, you know, there's no, you probably say, go to a 23-year-old and be like, yo, who's playing at Sandstone this weekend? Sandstone? What's that? See, I haven't been to a show there in like decades, dude. So I. Yeah. It's been a while for me too. It's been over a decade. There's Snoop Dogg and 311, I think. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That seems like a show that you could have caught in like the late 90s or. You can catch that or today. Catch it today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. Yeah, it'd be a great show. Uh, so yeah, seeing Incubus for the first time. Pardon to, to me, me while I burn. I think it was Morning Glory had come out or something. Is that one? That's one of their albums, right? Morning yeah. Glory. Um, and I I loved it. I was like, oh, this vibe is great. It was like late afternoon. It was like golden hour. Um, you know, they were killing it. It was a beautiful day. I was loving it. And you know, the if it's all about when, probably when you discover something, right? Because that's like your gold time with with that group, right. and then after that, it's like oh, that's that's the after that's the after they were the best at yeah. what they did kind of thing. Um, I try to intentionally not be that way, but I mean, you know, like I don't know, do you listen to DJ Shadow? Like, no, I don't all, know. I don't know who that is. In my world, he's like he's classic. He's worked with a lot of people. You've definitely heard some of his music, but like some of his old beat. Um, it basically did like instrumentals and he sort of pioneered a lot of uh like the way sample music is is treated these days or was like uh, one of the pioneers in how to just layer stuff and and uh quintessential like vinyl digger you know finding okay the yeah. really rare joints and and finding just the meanest drum breaks and the best samples and creating the the sickest vibes and he was like pretty much the soundtrack for my art school years um like him and uh, you know I was really into depressing shit so it was like Portishead's first album on a repeat and and stuff but um you know same kind of thing like he his career is incredibly still active and not that it's incredible it is incredibly active still um because he's incredibly talented and it's hard for me to get on board with you know like all the today stuff because I'm just like but the, man but introducing was just so good you know because shit I don't know. You you capture something at a certain time, it 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 hits you, right? You know. Yeah, I got a few. You, you kind of want to own that, or like share it with people who are special with you, special to you, or something. Um, but you do have to let go of that. You got to embrace it. We all need to grow. We're all, you know, on a path to something. Hopefully, better. Hopefully, making more money. <laughs> For you. I'm stuck making, oh my, I'm stuck giving my ex-wife all my fucking money. It's a fucking, it's part of my problem. Oh, it sucks. It I sucks, man. I can only imagine, dude. Brutal. Divorce is, uh, I mean, I, I, I hate that bitch. I don't ever, ever want to be with her would, again. Would but. you say that the negative feelings um, that transpired afterward were, like inversely congruent or like equal to the love, the intensity of like the love and the positive feelings you guys shared at the beginning. I, no, it's, it's weird. 
I have done a lot of thinking and a lot more talking uh-huh. with other people throughout my divorce. And what I've come to realize and, and been the light has been w- brightly shown on me mm-hmm. is I was manipulated. She's a narcissist and mm-hmm. is just a, a master at manipulation. I don't even think she realizes she does it. She's just that good at it. It's just what she is. It's who she is. Mm-hmm. And... When I think about all the things, I'm like, how was I so stupid to fall for this and that and that? Bang, 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 bang. She did all these things. And throughout my entire marriage, I never, I I loved her, Mm -hmm. but I was never, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really want to get married, but I was kind of like, you know, I just, it sounds stupid to say, but like manipulated in that. Manipulated Mm -hmm. into telling her I loved her before I was ready, but she brought, she wants, she basically... I had to say it to her, like, or else, or else mm-hmm. type thing. And so when I think about it on it now, it's like, I was never in love with her. I mean, I loved her as a person. Like, I lived with her and had kids with her and blah, blah, blah. We had some fine times. But after being divorced, I'm like, oh, I was not in love with her. She just wasn't, wasn't my cup of tea. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and now, and then when you learn that and start realizing it, then you start getting these other intense feelings of, you know, I, I you know, I, you know, I hope my kids never listen to this episode, but you know, I hate her. I hate her. Mm-hmm. I've only hated one other person as much as I hate her. And that's my biological father who like left me at three. I never met the dude, but I'm like, hey, how does he, especially when I had my first son and he was yeah. three, that was a pivotal time in my life. I was like, I come home from a long day of work, hating work or whatever. And I come home, I open the door. My son sees me and just runs at me. Daddy and yeah. jumps in my arms. I'm like, I, I guarantee I did this to my dad at this age. Mm-hmm. Like, who can leave that kind of stuff? Like, what a piece of shit. What a selfish whoever. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know. And then... De- definitely not uh, to, to apologize for him. I do think that there was a big difference in the time and also what was available to to men um, as far as, like, the capacity to even feel emotions. Um, you know, men have long dominated the world but um you know anyone who's into has had a stint with hegelian philosophy understands the idea that of like lordship bondage like there's a there's a symbiotic sort of and i'm gonna butcher this too but there there's like a relationship between um the prisoner captor the the slave master where they're both tied to this and and so um men i think through the 50s and and time immemorium that had to be men in some sort of like socially imposing way that didn't allow for vulnerability um even though women were subjugated and got short short end of the stick i think men have also um suffered from from that and sort of like you like i can't picture not being vulnerable with my kids not um taking time out around bedtime or on walks or whatever and like really just um opening my heart to how important and how special this time is and like this is what it's all about I love art I love um music I love my friends and stuff but it's like it's those moments with them or with um with my wife uh with my family with the people you know and friends like people that mean something to me and just like being in the moment being with them and just not letting the rest of the world 
spoil that and its expectations of you and how you're supposed to treat it. I, I would say most of my life, I never told other men that I love them, but in the last number of years, like to me, it's a regular refrain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't feel weird at all, but there was a time it did. Right. It always has to be followed with no homo. It, I love you, man. No homo. It used yeah. there was a, there yeah. was a time. Yeah, absolutely. There yeah. was a time. It it doesn't anymore. Like you know, like I love you, man. Right. I I think you're great. Um, it's not it's not weird. It's like I say it to my dad all the time, and now he says it back to me. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know, he didn't deny me love. I think right. um, I had a great relationship with my parents. Now my dad was like on the road most of my life but he was still from a distance part of the family and when he was back he was to some degree part of the family but also there's just so many emotions that get wrapped up in that and it's Mm -hmm. like problematic and um you know my mom not feeling like she has a husband even though he's putting you know money in the bank he's not there right right to, to do stuff and you know my mom wanted to you know she was a strong woman she wanted to be empowered she went uh, back to school and my brother and I were left on our own devices. And that's kind of like a really common tale of growing up in the eighties. Yeah. Know? That was my, my mom was a, you know, obviously Last a single mom, you yeah. know, she was a single mom going to school. My brother and I, he's a year and a, a year and a half younger than me. You know, we were raised on central Michigan university campus for a couple years, mm-hmm. you know, doing running wild on a campus. Yeah. I got some crazy stories of just the two, me and him going to like these, basically college parties at like you know third grade yeah yeah i i think in our generation it was really like um how to how to get into i don't know how to get into hijinks man Um, yeah uh, my my brother and i we used to you know we used to sneak out um sneak into other people's like yards He, he was like mad into technology and stuff so he'd be like hey this is the cable box and like so or you know here's a telephone box let's make like prank long distance phone calls (laughs) or something you know tap into the side of their house or or something um oh yeah we love sneaking out sneaking out and trying to hide from the cops we'd wear all black and a cop would drive by and we'd get we'd get such a rush on it hiding from them do we we'd uh had a big group of friends that i was uh, inducted into and we would go to um like uh cow pasture like a farm you know just someone's property that they had a, a lot of property and we'd we play capture the flag we know everyone would wear all black and um we'd fill a whole bunch of sandwich bags with flour and it was oh, cool. it was basically just like you know cool. you, you sneak through and um you bite the flour bag like you were pulling a pin on a grenade yeah, chuck yeah. it at someone and if they get power, <laughs> power, uh, flour on them you know they got them or you whatever yeah huh? um and invariably i mean there were so many activities thank you sir um that I was involved in as a kid and even through college that resulted in running from police, but also, um, that's a rush. Yeah. And if my kids did that, I would be <laughs> so escaped. And I, I it's would, a different time now, man. It does feel for sure like that. It feels like, no, you run, if you run from the cops, like you're going to get shot. And so don't do that. Now my girls are very white and probably would not. And there are a lot of those situations, me being in the suburbs, running from cops, very different situation from a lot of my friends' experiences. Like I, I grew up very privileged just for being, you know, a, a, a white dude that the default is we don't want to kill you. Um, or 
you know, I got in trouble, but it was always like the minimal amount of trouble, I guess. Uh, you know, go do some classes because uh, I was caught shoplifting Vibrant or something or um, uh, do some classes because you got, you know, caught smoking weed mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but it was go do some classes, you know, not go to juvie, not go to jail, whatever. Yeah. I was lucky. Lucky. But, you know, made the most of it. Made the absolute most of it. Could ride our bikes, like, for miles in any direction. Mm-hmm. It's also Arvada, Colorado, which is where I grew up. Like, they have an amazing trail system. You can take the trail behind my parents' house, um, like, to Denver. You can ride your bike and, like, cross two streets along the way. They just have really good trail systems. Um, so, we took advantage, you know. But I can't even imagine right now, like, my kids just being like, it's Saturday morning. We'll see you um, five. We'll be back before dark. Not worrying unless they have a cell phone or something. I don't know. And but, that brings up a whole other question. Like, when do you let your kids have a cell phone? Not yet. That's the right. answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not yet. But when? Like, I don't know, man. I'm know, so scared. A, yeah, that's a tough one. That's I'm, a tough one. I'm scared about a lot of stuff that has to do with. It's a um, scary time to be a parent. I mean, anytime's a scary time to be a parent, but it ain't getting any easier. No, and it's, uh, you know, like technology is inherently outpacing adults' abilities to keep up with it. So invariably there's going to be, you know, if I was my kids, then I would have all kinds of like any app or any kind of way that I could do stuff on my phone that my parents would not know how right, to find it. Right, Um, Because that was like computers for, for us or whatever, you know. Right. Um, making sure that you could get away with boy business without anyone, you know, being none the wiser or whatever. Um, by boy business, I mean like entrepreneurial, uh, studies and like looking up, um, you know, uh, the best, the best paper routes and, um, the best blocks for setting up lemonade stands. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. I got these, you know, you see the neighborhood that you pulled up in mm-hmm. and I, there's just, 10 or 13 kids that hang out by themselves all day out here. Yeah. Unsupervised. I mean, they're out. I'm like, how are these kids not in bed yet? It's like, it's a school night and it's like 930 and I still see them and hear them out there. I'm like, I don't know. I don't try not to judge, but clearly I am. I'm like, where are these kids' parents? Like, I don't let my kids run around this neighborhood. Like, I don't live. Obviously, this is not a, it's not the worst neighborhood there is, but it's certainly not that nice. I don't know who's living in that, in that complex yeah. over there or that duplex over there. I'm sure there's some offenders around here. I mean, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? There's cops down what's, here quite what's often. What's near school? <laughs> it's not that far, actually. It's about right. maybe a mile away. It's my the elementary kid school my kids go to. Yeah, but and there's all kinds of business that, that is for sure going down in this block. And a lot yeah. of it is, is wholesome, you know, family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, most stuff, of it, but, most of it's fine, but I know a few years ago there was a, a murder, hom- a homicide murder, what is it, murder suicide, mm-hmm. right across the street. Like there's all, there's just wild shit going yeah. on right out these doors. I'm like, I'm not, I can't, I can't let my kids go out there unsupervised. And then I go out there, no. I'm like, I wonder if, what the, what do these parents think when I'm out there with my kids playing with them, while all these kids are just running wild. I, I like to play with my kids. Um, 
Oh, I love it, but I'm the the only one on this block that's doing that. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. I would hope they think nothing or like, um, you know, think, damn, that that actually looks like something I should do. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm that adult on the playground, like fucking climbing on the monkey Yeah, I do that shit too. (laughs) Um, I I love playing with my, I'm a giant kid, clearly. Me too, man. (laughs) You know, a lot of my interest in art, I decided to be an artist when I was in kindergarten and it was almost like a way to preserve that uh that early part of me that curiosity that sense of wonder the um the intrigue the want to explore all those things um it was like a way to keep a tether to that quintessential sense of self and it's worked really well and i've learned how to uh, operate as an artist in a professional capacity to where, um, you know, I get, I get the opportunity to work with some really cool big name clients and always am going to deliver on time and communicate, um, as effectively as, as I know how and budget projects and budget money and, um, and make sure that I'm handling my P's and Q's, but it's like, the amount that I'm on the ball with business is almost, and this is the same with money. It's almost an act to preserve the ability to still be a kid when I want to and when I need to, and kind of getting back to that, like, you know, appreciating those moments. Um, you know, when, when your kids are responding to you because you're being silly, you're being funny. Um, I just feed off that. And I, I love it. Those are the moments that I don't know. I, you know, I have to watch myself because if it if the girls have to get something done, and my instinct is to get them riled up or to start playing a game with them mm-hmm. or to hide behind something, you know, then I have to like sometimes check myself and be like, okay, if I go down this route, then in like three to five minutes, um, my wife's either going to be really pissed off at all of us, or I'm going to have to be yelling at the kids because we actually have this other thing that we need to do, you know, oh, and. Yeah. Um, like one of the most frustrating things when in the early days of having kids was that I was working full time for a marketing firm. And it was like, you know, we had to drive pretty far to get the kids dropped off for a daycare that we actually felt decent about. And, um, you know, you get on this tight timetable and it's like, I'm trying to enjoy my, trying to enjoy my kids. And now I'm imposing my stress on them. Oh yeah. Um, and it's not anything is it's not my fault it's not their fault but i did learn that it, the more on the ball i am the more i can keep the uh you know when when stress impacts life like keep that stuff at bay and keep the reaction and the the interactions in the relationship with my kids um keep it preserved for interacting with them and getting on their level, not just on their level, like with funny and doing stupid voices and stuff, but, um, but also what they're learning, what they're going through, what mm-hmm. their questions are, what their interests are. You know, if they want to just talk about, they love watching Minecraft on TV, on yeah. Roku TV <laughs> and, and, um, just watching, you know, YouTube creators doing Minecraft runs through run throughs. They're <clears throat> addicted to it. Absolutely. But, um, you know, How old I, are they? uh, they're seven and nine. Nice. Mine are six and nine. 
Dude, it's fun age. Oh yeah, my, God, my so fun. seven-year-old just turned six two weeks ago. Um, really fun because you're kind of they're developing some autonomy and they're developing some independence. You're not mm-hmm. as as needing to be policing things because they don't spill all the time. They yeah, <laughs> um, they you know. Uh, they have a pretty good idea of what's acceptable and what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, that's always going to be pushed to some degree, but you kind of just get to start interacting with them on a really, uh, I don't know, like on a, on a more level keel, like more like eye to eye or yeah. something. Their personalities are emerging yep. and um, the whole parenting experience I've really enjoyed. It's trippy. Like, you know, oh my God, this is the first time my daughter is seeing a leaf. It's the first time she's, you know, seeing a dog. It's the first time they're petting a rabbit. It's the first time they're doing all this stuff. But all that first timing is like really intense and really keeps you from being able to do your own thing. And so I guess now what's cool is that, you know, I can sit at the table and kind of get work done and also be kind of interacting with them and also, um, you know, be interacting with, uh, with the family. We, we just recently moved in my mother and father-in-law um in with us and it's been i get along with them really well i'm very fortunate um and what's been really cool about it is like in the mornings my uh father-in-law and the kids like they like get this banter going and stuff and kind of getting to see um all these really like precious and valuable interactions and everything, um, which is all the more prescient because, um, like my father-in-law, he has, uh, but both of them have like had bouts with cancer and he's at a stage where like, you know, doctors are saying, uh, you know, they're starting to put like a countdown clock on it and that kind of thing. And so like getting to, um, facilitate these types of, um, times that they can spend together and the, the the richness of right of these interactions um it's cool and you know covid be damned but a lot of good came to my life because of the circumstances of the last few years and one of those is really appreciating what i got you know where it is how it is and just kind of where we we're talking before um we started recording like the idea of embracing discomfort and let it like working through it instead of uh, pushing against it mm-hmm. and where that can take you. And um, like I told you as well beforehand, like, you know, I felt like I kind of uh, went through it kicking and screaming, but the circumstances were just like stronger than me. Um, but I'm grateful to be on the other side of it. And to whatever degree I was able to um, muster to embrace it and, and work through it it's like taking me to a better place where I work for myself and it's starting to like work after a couple years of being self-employed um you know it's starting to feel like I have a flow I have a rhythm down to it I've gotten some really cool projects but it's always like I have this project that I'm focused on it's a really cool project and I'm not um taking any time or energy to figure out what the next thing is um so 
I've been working to just be active in networking with people. And what that means is just hitting up people that I have personal connections with who I've worked with, um, either in architecture and marketing or um, in any creative fields or any other fields and just kind of having uh, genuine conversations. And it's, um, you know, I've, I've been careful to like, I don't like engaging, engaging in a conversation where I'm like, trying to get something out of it I don't like that that which is probably why uh, you haven't heard from me in a while because like the only reason I could have um, seen to come on your podcast uh, while I'm you know in like a depressive desperate state about trying to figure out you know how I'm going to support kids how I'm going to support a family and stuff is like to try and put a good spin on it and like put on a good face and try and say things that'll prompt people to hopefully reach out to me for um, business, which it's just like the dynamic, if it happens naturally, it's so much better. You know, that's how you get really good, successful opportunities is when it's not out of a place of need or it's not out of a place of desperation, but it's kind of like, um, kismet timing, you know, that kind of thing, intuitive timing, but it, it, it's hard to find the space in your life where, um, where you can get that, where you have that uh, freedom, I guess, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, like I've said before, I say it again. You're always welcome on here, no matter you got something to do or not do. I appreciate, it. and and uh, I'm actually probably going to um, try and coordinate another visit here soon with my music cohorts. Mokes, get Lou Rip back on the show. Get, yeah. And get I to, like Lou. I like Lou. Dude, he's a great person. He's a really good rapper, and he's really he's funny as shit. Um, and he's just a really good person, but he's also like a really good friend, a really good dude. Um, and our friendship is pretty much fostered entirely through music. Like that's the, that's the through line. We have a lot of other common interests and stuff, but we don't live close to each other. And so there's always an intentional amount of effort that, um, has to come in a place if we're going to have like a music meeting, get together, do sure. some recording, whatever, like it's always it always has to be sort of a coordinated effort. He's got, um, he's got more kids than me. He had twins, not uh, it's some years ago now, but, um, dad you know, shit. He's hashtag got, dad shit. He's got a <laughs> hashtag dad shit. Exactly. He's got a clan and he's like, dude, he's, uh, he's someone to follow their example. Like yeah. Lou sets a great <clears throat> example and he inspires me to do the same thing, to try and set a good example. And there's, we have, such valuable conversations because um you know we all love to clown we all love to be stupid and we're all kind of on some like uh self self betterment you know let's and joker included in this it's like we're we're all on a course of like self-discovery and trying to be better people trying to be better husbands trying to be better dads trying to be better performers trying to be um just like better people neighbors community members and and stuff but then like we all grew up in hip-hop so we all kind of have the same commonality of um like yeah you know respect respect the skill what do you think of the hip-hop scene here in kansas city right now uh if you're paying any attention to it so the last show that i did which was with lou i was actually really impressed with some groups that i was not were not on my radar And the only one that I can remember the name of, because it's super easy to remember, uh, is, 
I forget. As he it? forgets. <laughs> well, no, no, because it's it's Chiefs and Royals, but it's Royal Chief or Chief oh, Royal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that dude. Royal is, Chief, I think. Royal Chief. Yeah. That dude and that operation, like I talked to the ladies that were holding down his merch table. Like, you know, I always got to check out the merch table and see like, okay, how, how on it are they really? Because as a designer, as being like deep, you know, big into... Um, merchandising and, and art and, you know, designing the hell out of um, your album and your stickers and everything. Uh, like, where are they at? And that game was solid, but the stage show was, it was a whole vibe, you know. And it was it was really good, man. It was really good. It put me in a really good mood. Um, that dude can spit and his band and uh, singers and everyone can back him up. Um, like... If you're not aware of uh, Royal Chief, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, um, that's a bold name in Kansas City. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be like Royal Chief, uh, you know, you better come with it. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna be one of two things. You're gonna be super stellar and totally you're, you're gonna game. be the Royals now or the Chiefs now, right? Yeah, but or uh, you're gonna be an absolute, uh, an absolute, uh, you know, whack ass. Well, that's what I'm saying. The Royals are whack now. You're gonna be the 2022 Royals or the 2022 Chiefs? You're going to be the best or the worst? <laughs> <laughs> I just did a feast for the Royals, and um, almost everyone on my timeline was like, dude, this oh, is that awesome. shit was dope. That stuff uh, you did. And, yeah. <laughs> and my, my wife's uncle from, uh, from uh, I'm trying to remember if it's Colorado or Utah, Utah, um, Moab, uh, he was just like, yeah, it's too bad that team sucks. I'm like, God damn it, dude. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, where were you a few years ago when we took the World Series? I don't, well, and also for me, it's it's about like. We're supposed to suck. We're a small market team. It's baseball. That's why there, That's why, why our World Series was so special and spectacular. That was amazing. Such a great time to be a Kansas Cityan in Kansas City. Well, the, the games, man. The games had kind of a magical quality to them. Oh, yeah. So many of them went into overtime. They went like gratuitously into overtime. And it there were all the playoff super games, exciting yeah. To, the, yeah. The the O's, the the, the Baltimore O's game, the play in game was mm -hmm. insane. Oh yeah, and that was for the first year when we didn't win, but oh yeah, but it, was, it was still amazing. And even mm -hmm. I I love sports. I love a hometown team, but I love a good game more than anything. So. I can't get in the Chiefs. I've tried and tried and tried. I just can't get into them. Yeah, and I love Do, football. Yeah, just can't get in the Chiefs. It's. I've said this before, so I don't mind saying it again. It's the, my biggest turnoff is Chiefs fans. I've just okay. I've never liked Chiefs fans. They've always been they were patriot like patriot fans, even when the Chiefs sucked. Mm -hmm. They just always they got this arrogance about them. They've hmm. just got this weird arrogance about them, and, and it's been undeserved. I guess until recently, until they got Patrick Mahomes. And now it's me. Now it's even worse because their their decades of this arrogance, undeserved arrogance, is now like, oh, that's right, we are the best. See, it's like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you guys. Like, <laughs> I just, I just can't get in the. Yeah, I, I've yeah. tried, but no doubt this will be a hot take, and I'm not going to step in that. Um, I, I'm, no, a, I yeah. I'm a fan, but I'm like a fair weather fan because, um, I like I've always watched games and I've been to games. Um, but I just. I'm not a big football fan, personally. Okay. I love the games, and I have a, it has a nostalgic quality because um, when my dad wasn't traveling, 
it was him being home on like Saturdays and Sundays that we got to spend the time together. And a lot of that involved, you know, catching a game or something. Um, and, uh, you know, if he would, if we would do something together, it, it, there was a good chance it was going to a baseball game or a football game or something. Um, so it's got that. And I love, uh, I love watching it. It's like when you get into the stats, when you get into tracking it, it's like, dude, I, there's so much more important in my life. Yeah. Um, people love it too. People are yeah. into it. I and guess I that's can't prob- help but feel there's like a hole in those people that they're trying to fill with, with that stuff. There is for sure. Um, I guess the other thing too, I've all like, look at this. I've, I'm going to pull out see this. Mm-hmm. This for people who aren't watching on patreon.com slash near talk podcast. I am showing him. This is a George Brett Royals starting lineup from like 1985. Figurine. Yeah. Uh-huh. So figurine. I got this when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I've, and I didn't, I, I was born and raised in Michigan and bounced around all over the place. Yeah. I've been a Royals fan forever. Bo Jackson. Like I've always been a Royals fan. Yeah. And one thing and a baseball fan. One of the great things about baseball, first for the Royals, they've sucked forever. Mm-hmm. So there's there is just that humility for, from those fans. From the, there's just a difference between Royals fans and Chiefs fans. Yeah. And the Royals fans, they're like, yeah, we suck, but we're gonna go out and it's it's Friday night, it's fireworks night, and it's dollar hot dogs. And we're, uh-huh. gonna, we're gonna go sit in GA for like ten bucks and sit wherever we want and have a good mm-hmm. time. And I've I've just always loved that and appreciated that. And. Dr- Try going to a Chiefs game. Do you know how much money you need to go to a Chiefs game right now? I was on StubHub or SeatGeek or one of those apps the other day. I've never, I've never paid for Chiefs tickets. Every game I've been to was because someone had tickets. Exactly. Yeah. It is so. I mean, parking alone's like seventy five dollars or something like that. Yeah. And the cheapest seats up on the nosebleed are probably two hundred bucks per seat. It, something like what maybe was 100. it? What was it pre Super Bowl? Do you know? I don't know, but I'm sure. Eh, maybe when they sucked, sucked. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't too bad. I don't know, but I, I'm not. I'm not sure. But just looking at it now, it's if I want to take my kid, he likes the Chiefs. Yeah, and I'm like, if I want to sit anywhere decent, and bring it, bring like headphones for him or like some kind. I'm of, not. I can't. Like, I can't afford it. I'm looking at, yeah. at seats, and it's gonna be like parking, food, tickets, probably a thousand dollars. Oh for the two of us i'm like i don't so even i don't even have a thousand dollars in my yeah. bank account like i can't go to a like i can't afford to do you could go on a pretty good vacation for that you know what i mean like yeah you, you could take them to vegas s- somewhere <laughs> take your kid to vegas. <laughs> all right blow on these dice kid that's right <laughs> i do love some cracks right, too now, stay behind the ropes though i've never actually been to vegas but I'm, I'm just, i yeah. that was one of the places i fell in love with during covid really okay oh my god i've been Four or five times in the past year. Uh-huh. <laughs> just It's so cheap to go. Like, you can go round trip. Uh-huh. During COVID, it was the best. You could stay at the premier hotel, one of them, like uh, the Venetian. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, I was going w- with somebody, and we would go for, like, 300 bucks a piece mm-hmm. round trip. That's four four nights, five days. Wow, yeah. In, in like, a dope-ass suite. At the premier property yeah. and airfare for three hundred bucks a piece, like you can't beat that. You're gonna spend that on a really nice weekend here. And during COVID, you got the whole road to your to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got the whole road to yourself, yeah. and then yeah, you gotta wear a mask or whatever. But uh, it was just it was just a good. Did time. they make you wear a mask in the casino? 
Uh, they were pretty lenient with it because everyone's smoking their cigarettes. <laughs> you know, you just have a drink in your hand and you're getting free drinks, top shelf drinks too. You can get, sit down and you can get, uh, my drink when I go to the casino is Patron and grapefruit. Okay. So I'm getting that for free. Yeah. That's great. You just walk around that and you have your mask down. Um, yeah, like uh, I've caught a little bit of heat for saying this and, and I understand it's not the best statement, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed COVID. I got it a couple times. It knocked my dick in the dirt. It mm-hmm. really jacked me up. But during those times, like I was still working. I have a quote unquote essential job. So I didn't have to worry about money. I mean, yeah. I always worry about money, but that's just the nature of divorce. <laughs> uh, yeah. But as far as like that, you know, I'm secure with that. Um, yeah. I just enjoyed the time of COVID for like I was saying earlier, go to places and it's not as crowded and get mm-hmm. wherever you want and just, yeah, it's, it, it was, it wasn't awful for everybody. Yeah. I was kind of digging it while, while I was employed. Um, be, because, you know, not having to stress about money and just getting more time with the kids, the homeschooling stuff. I don't know if you had to deal with that. It was horrible, dude. Um, trying to keep your, no, they still went to school kid engaged. Yeah, but they didn't do the the virtual school. They still went to school. Oh, really? Where? Right here in Independence. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They had to wear their masks, but yeah, yeah. This was one of the cities. that never got interrupted. You never, they never. No, they they did in school school. Okay. The whole time. Word. Yeah. yeah. My kids are in um, Park Hill, and absolutely, they they had to be at home. And luckily, we have. We have like a tall house. It's two stories, but then like the basement's in the middle. So it's almost like there's three. Yeah, your house looks awesome from Instagram. It's an amazing house, dude. We really lucked out with with that house. The uh, the previous owners um, had it on. Died from COVID and you got it for real cheap? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they, had, they had a lean on it because uh, um, I've put these pieces together, so it might not be 100% accurate, but the impression I've gotten is that they owed some money so the house is on a lien so like when we came in the day it went hit the market and we put an offer in like right after we saw it uh and our our uh realtor shout out brad he was like okay we're gonna put a an expiration on this of like 12 hours and they were not in a place where they could really turn it down oh nice so uh anyone who doesn't follow me on uh, Instagram, which if you don't, you should. Lucid, Lucid flows. Yeah, L U C I D F L O W S. Um, like our backyard is, uh, it, it's like a castle type. I mean, not castle, but like it's it's all like this stone terracing and stuff. Like it looks way nicer than um, anything that we would we would need. But it was a great place, and we have a, a woods behind our house. We have a like protected marshland and then oh nice um just sort of the topography there's no real ability to develop and there's only one there's like a section so i mean you're familiar with the areas like you get these nice neighborhoods where they're all kind of like built on hills where like you just can't fill in the gaps between the houses it wouldn't make sense to like the resources it would take to flatten everything out and, and fit in more houses you just make it kind of track the topography and build the houses where they can so we're on a steep hill so you go into the ground level and it looks like it's just like a small one-story house but then on, it opens up on the back and it's a really steep house yeah yeah um and, but having that like distinction between you know like we live on we live on the first floor is where we do meals and where we um watch tv and once we go downstairs now it's school 
you know, and now it's to school though. Now it's work, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that's been nice with the in-laws moving in because they, they have, have their, own, their own space. Yeah. Their own right. living space, their own kitchen. They have their own. Oh, nice. It's really like a bar, but it, you know, we rewired it so they can have a full size fridge and, um, just like, a uh, a, like a bar top. I, I think, um, I think they're going to get like an air fryer or something like one of those, oh, I got one, uh, of, one of those really <laughs> cool ninja things where yeah. you can like, it's like an oven. It's an air fryer. It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's a griddle. It's, um, I don't know, a hamper. It's a, <laughs> um, you know, it's whatever, all in whatever one. you want. Yeah. A microwave. It's, uh, it's magic. Yeah. Houses dope. We back up to these woods that, uh, during COVID, I was just taking the girls out into the woods and like for what was in us in essence, like PE or whatever, we just go like March to the woods yeah, and stuff. Nice. It was, it was pretty cool. And then I got laid off and then I got super stressed out and then I had to figure yeah. shit out. Last you time know? you were here, I, I believe just, you just, just got, just laid got off. laid off um, and you were starting this new venture of working for yourself. And so I'm glad to see everything seems to be working out really well for you. Yeah, I mean, two, well, like two or three weeks ago, the conversation even then would have been different. It's been so touch and go. There have been so many like projects that came or whatever where I'm like, oh man, now I'm glad I made it this long and now things are looking good. And I've stopped saying that because like invariably something, you know, something happens to make me eat my words. Um, but I've had a really cool string of projects, really cool opportunities. The most recent one, as we sort of touched on, was an illustration for the Royals. Um, they do this wallpaper Wednesday thing and they've been reaching out to local artists, uh, to, uh, commission illustrations that they can put on their social media, but then also, um, have printed off to put in their office. Oh, cool. Um, that's really cool. So I used to work in architecture and sports architecture specifically. Um, so, you know, I felt like this is, this is a time I really need to show, improve, flex, um, remind people, that I'm out here and, and not waste this opportunity. So I put a lot of time and effort into that illustration and even turned it into an animation, which is something that I've just been trying to learn um, sort of how, you know, how to do that. I've always loved the animation and I've been getting more and more comfortable over the years with um, like motion graphics. I do most of my videos, but every once in a while I'm lucky enough to have someone who will like do a video for me. Um, but I've gotten really comfortable with. Yeah. Then uh, was your first one, they had all that shit in it with Godamus. That was uh one me and Posse. I one man Posse. That's right. That's the name of yeah, it. Yeah. So that was I edited that. Um, that was one of my first videos. Um, but you know, if you look on my social page again, follow me at Lucid Flows uh, on Instagram, and uh, I think I'm Daniel Lucid Bartle on on Facebook. But Facebook's really just like my Instagram feed, just you know, copied. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pretty much like all my promo videos. Um, I do those. There's like some exceptions and, uh, I've been lucky enough to work with some really talented people. This dude, uh, Cole Wood, who, uh, lives, lived in my neighborhood as just a young kid with a drone. You know, I say young, he's like, you know, he's graduated and everything, but, um, young, young to me, you know, trying to, trying to figure out his thing um had like two different drones a hover one a race one had oh, like cool. his hoverboard and so he just like um uh, the video he filmed was for sequence climb for cafe cafe and sequence climb and i painted the parking lot uh which was a fun 
sort of challenge for me because usually when you do murals they're on walls uh this was an opportunity especially working on the ground with him having the drones and having like a hoverboard and like he got a 360 um range of being able to film around me and being able to like hover a drone and just um get shots of me painting on the ground from overhead so it'd be more like if the design is on a piece of paper it's like you're looking straight on the piece of paper versus the the piece that i did i wanted to take advantage like every project i do i try i try something new i want to experiment with something and on that one it was trying to do like um an illusory kind of perspective piece where there's a box on that uh, on that parking lot where you stand here where there's the feet and you look at it from there and i made the perspective lines fall to where it somewhat is almost like those chalk drawings where uh, you know, it looks like the ground's falling away and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, those are cool. Um, but it's just like 3D lettering kind of like going into yeah. into the um, into the ground. So like similar with the Royals thing, learning animation, um, you know, it's like how can I leverage this into an opportunity to get better at something else that I'm trying to grow, uh, which is like my whole career path has been kind of like every project that is – almost every project is successful and it's because there's like this 80% of the project is probably something that I'm really familiar and comfortable with. And then there's like this 20% component that is, uh, you know, toggles sometimes it's like 40 to, um, you know, 40 to 10% that is like a question mark and yeah. you're trying something. That's um, fun though. Yeah. It's the way to stay engaged. It's the way to stay yeah. growing. You know, there was a project that I did for, a marketing firm for an agriculture day where they wanted me to do a, a mural and I talked them into um, like letting me go buy a bunch of animal feed and doing uh, having their motion team film me making basically a mural on the ground with animal feed uh, you know so before you even make the design you have to figure out um, what what materials you have which is what determines your color palette mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know it was like a lot of uh um browns and greens um until we got the i think it was the sorghum is sorghum red uh we got like some some sorghum like i had alfalfa so it was like the greens so that was the trees i had um uh, different types of feet a lot of feet is like brown what is it like to be in your brain you got some shit going on up there man to come up with some Dude, stuff I, yeah it, <laughs> Uh, I'm working on like a million things at any one time. And so, uh, you know, trying to, trying to focus, we got a lot of music stuff that's like queued up, ready to come out. We were going to start dropping a lot of music that we're ready to drop. Um, my group is Mokes, M-O-K-S, Missouri, Kansas. Um, we were going to start dropping stuff like basically when COVID hit and then it was like Black Lives Matter and then it was like Me Too and then it was like all these things. I was like, yeah, fuck, we just need to so you shelve this music and wait and then i got laid off and then it was like all right now i need to figure out how to how to help support my family um and everything and and uh you know so all that's queued up but that i've learned is not a bad thing you know the mm -hmm. one man posse your video video that you're talking about which that's on my feed as well it's a black and white video it, it has lou rip it has uh, godimus from ses crew in it um, this also has, uh, my dude, Matt Peters in the video and, um, ghost eight one six who uh, changes his moniker like every, every, <laughs> every year, as far as I can tell. Uh, but he made the beat and he's a really sick, uh, beat maker. So like he's in the video and, and my, 
homie Phil Koenig built a green screen cube that we filmed Ooh, with a fisheye lens. But, you know, that was like my foray into, all right, let's figure out how to do this. And I had all these like aspirational plans and uh, this really talented motion graphics guy that was working with the marketing firm I was with at the time, I was showing him the stuff and I was like, it was fisheye lens. So I was like drafting all these like, these like illustrated backgrounds and stuff that were all like these fisheye fisheye angles. Um, but I'm like really light, lose really dark. I had to like really bump the contrast and then I turned it black and white. It was just like popping on a white background. And he was like, dude, just do text. And he just showed me like, here's how you mask. Here's how like you make text come in. Just keep it simple. It do good. that. And I like that video. It turned out great, man. It mm-hmm. turned out great. But it was like so many factors. That was a, a lot me just like going with it because it was my homie Phil that set up the green screen cube. So I was like learning how to key stuff out. A green screen cube, it's harder to light evenly from like a screen so there were like shadows in the corner so it's like learning okay. how to like do mask work because i couldn't key out uh like all of the green because there were so many um you know tones of green from shadow and highlight and all this sort of stuff because you know we didn't we knew sort of what we were doing we had a theory about what we were doing but <laughs> then a part of my learning in, in motion I love a graphics good and animation was like um it was reacting to what what we had fucked up you know um but then I don't know. Those are like the best, the things where like the, the framework for success is kind of, um, like determined by the limitations. Does that make sense? So like once you figure out, and and this is a tenant that I employ on almost every single project is like try and identify the limitations. And a lot of people are going to push it back against that and be like, no, we just want you to do you. We just, I just want your art. I want your, um, idea about this and invariably 100% of the time that is the wrong answer if someone is asking you to do a project it's there is something that you are supposed to take into consideration about what you produce that is in line with their vision their project their idea and when you're working collaboratively you have to do that too you can't discount what other people are bringing to the table because the way that you express gratitude through collaboration is um, by embracing and building off of their ideas right, and right. trying to find yeah, like, that makes sense. Interacting with those, um, yeah, you know, um, I uh, how do I say this? Uh, what's up with Godimus right now? Do you I, know anything? Do you know no, where I, he's I at? What to, he's doing? Honestly, I haven't talked to Gotti in a, in a long time. I love Godimus. I get the impression that he's he's gone through a phase of life that. I've been no part of, and I'm glad that I haven't been a part of it because um, the part of his life that I was a part of was uh, was fucking dope. You know, like I was um, roommates with Gotti and Yubi when they were making Capture Enemy Soldiers, which is their first album, their first full length. Like they did some singles before that. And so just kind of watching, like it was always Yubi's strategy about um, – how to you know and like learning vicariously through them too um like Yubi was selling these singles that he was like spray spray paint stenciling on the cds and then anytime someone would put the cd in their disc like when it was like hot or something the the paint would start to melt and would like get their shit jammed up so i mean it was like like we were just (laughs) we're doing what we could do with the resources that we had and that was a really valuable time to see them working with what they had as far as the beats he's, from the producers. Yeah, he's kind of dropped off the radar. 
I know. I don't know. I didn't know if you had any kind of insight on where he's been. Uh, I kind of I talked I talked about Zero. him on the podcast mm-hmm. with, with um, there's this guy out of Wisconsin. His name is Joe K. Uh-huh. He's got a pretty popular YouTube channel called Joe K Music, and he goes real in depth into the underground hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. And he went. He a couple years ago he went just went really hard on some of the strange music guys and especially Godimus, which I'm you may or may not be familiar with with some I, of the I, I some know of the, I know loosely like what kind of kind weird, of scamming people stuff. taking their money and not producing yeah, the music what, he said he what was I'll going say, to what I'll say about Gotti is that if he was if if he wasn't acting responsibly it was most likely not out of anything malicious yeah um I love that dude when I lived with him he was not the responsible like apartment member and um uh, he seems be- like a wild card for sure yeah yeah and honestly um he it's probably and, make, why one of the reason why it makes him so talented he but Sess crew in its initial form it was it was a group of incredibly talented um musicians who were just extremely raw like um general ali who became cutty slits still one of the best lyricists i've yeah. ever heard his album that he did get out with with Lenny D um I highly recommend anyone to check it out because it's just to me it's kind of like masterpiece level um in that his his flow has an organic quality I remember that dude in our apartment like this probably like 98 or 99 and and he's like he's got this little like keyboard sampler and he's like playing he's playing the keyboard like a keyboard not like a sampler and he's playing the music and he's singing along with it and then he's like beatboxing and then he starts rapping and he just like switches from him seamlessly. Like there's this thing that flows through him that is so organically brilliant, but his life is fucked up to an equal degree. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to have opportunities to interact and work with him. But like, you know, Cuddy, I love you. I would never let you into my personal life because I just can't accept <laughs> chaos in, in my personal life. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's not like a forever statement because um, I think absolutely anybody has the potential for redemption and growth. And so that's like literally just based off of the last time that we would have interacted. Um, I mean, Gotti's a little bit the same. Like, uh, he. I'm not going to get into his shit, obviously, because right. um, it's not my place. But his um, his formative years were vastly different from mine. And in a way that I can never judge that dude for what he went through because I could never understand what it was. And there are a number of people that I've worked with musically who are just brilliant who like they just didn't have a childhood like i understood a childhood to be where you have like even a parent or you're not on your own sleeping on people's couches or being taken in um shout out nisha um and uh you know what i what i respect is that um this group of people uh Persef one uh sorceress the two absolute like sickest uh female lyricists i know um, and, and then there are, there are other members of Sess crew, in the initial days, and I just don't want to mess up the names. Um, but they're, they're people that there's been a few of them. 
Yeah, yeah, and and so I don't I don't want to. I'm not omitting um, out of bias. It's really it's really because I don't want to mess up the history and um, and get the names wrong or or sure. whatever. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, that th- that was a beautiful time. It was it was great. I honestly through like the strange years and stuff, I was amazed at how well they were able to work given they the sort of chaotic nature of um that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like UB's always been like the planner strategist, uh, is the point of contact, makes things happen. Gotti shows up, writes rhymes, writes shit tons of rhymes. I still have pieces of paper like he used to just he would leave pieces of paper around the house. It's like, here's a verse, here's a verse, here's a verse. He wrote all the time. He drew all the time. Really sick at drawing, too. Like, I I learned a lot oh, wow. f- from him as far as, like, his drawing style. He'd draw a lot of characters. He'd um, super free form and, uh, and, like, very imaginative with the way he would draw. And these pieces of paper, would they just get discarded, you know, they'd get thrown away they'd you know get shuffled under the couch so i saved a whole bunch of them um you know and and i have them i'm not giving them back um (laughs) but you know i i I preserved them but what it was is like a very rich fertile creative ground which i think there's something fundamentally in a primordial way about true creativity that it's not it's not organized it's not um uh you know, the truly creative people aren't the people that you're going to find um, in steady jobs or with necessarily healthy relationships. There's an, uh, a fundamentally chaotic component to true creativity that, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky to be quite creative and still be able to work. Yeah, with that's what's so impressive about you is how creative you are, but how together you seem to have your shit. Like especially especially that. being being now on your own as a businessman mm-hmm. and being an artist like it's so it seems like it's so rare to to find an artist as creative and, and you know, skillful as you are and also has your life put together and and your business P's and Q's put together. It's um I don't know I've always been envious of you for that just just you all just have always seemed like you have your shit together and you're just this incredibly talented dude like Thank you, man. tell like how you balance that out it, it's and it's really it's really inspiring I, I I appreciate that I've been uh similarly inspired by a number of individuals um since I've been laid off I've been able to uh, model some of my behavior and get some work from my homie Psych who he's psych styles yeah psych style so he was we kind of started doing murals about the same time like both of us did painting and whatnot before but there was um a specific mural um that my wife when my first daughter was quite young she was taking her to go visit some friends in florida so i had like a week uh of my own time which i don't even know if that's happened since or um (laughs) You know, it certainly hadn't hadn't happened before then. So, what do I do? I'm like, uh, yo, cyclists, let's get a wall, let's paint it. Um, we got a 115 or 120 foot wall, and literally, I spent like every minute that, Is that the my racketeer wife one. Yeah, that was the racket one. Which I now, am so rest in pissed peace. off about that. I am it so pissed like off. Seven. It lasted years. a long time. I I go down there all the time. I'm, yeah. I go to parlor quite often. 
and and it's, and it's just it's, right it's there, been yeah. just degraded more and more and more and now it's just this shit wall with a couple like square feet uh, of the racketeer mural still on there but it's just but the, it's the like eyes, shitty graffiti it's, it's not it's, it's like graffiti of just people yeah. putting their tag on there it's, yeah it's bombs it's, it's uh, like well I, don't, I hate that like i, was, I don't it know went, it went to uh, the wild man I, but that, the wild should lasted. have some respect there should be some respect in the wild i just don't get it you know there is somewhere i mean there there's a yeah, your pendergrass is still up it's it still is. looking I th- good i think but so, that's in a spot that'd be hard to bomb it'd be hard to go over that yeah, you'd have to have malice against me, which I work very hard at trying to make sure that no one's ever pissed off at me <laughs> for like anything. Um, not super. I'm mostly successful at that. There's there's outliers, um, but I could like literally count those outliers that I'm aware of on one hand. Um, like there was a time when the owner of that building put up a for lease sign, and like yep. I walked by, and somebody had still fucking. Lease cut that shit down like it was like the corners were still like hanging there and the rest of the banner was gone <laughs> and i i just you know it's experiences like that i'm like this is my city i fucking love this city man people will have love for me here and i have love for them and whoever if whoever did that is listening thank you i love you i'll uh um that the bombed your stuff no 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 that that tore down oh, the banner okay that, that was covering up the pendergast yeah. piece um yeah i you know, if you make yourself known, then I'll um, I'll hook you up with something. Um, but the racket wall was seven years before. Now it would get like a little tag on it, and Psych was um, in that area a lot. Yeah, he was just so down the road. From he'd like send me a text of like someone painted a booger like coming out of like a lady <laughs> or something. And I kind of respect that. <laughs> but, so he'd he'd go and he'd just like paint over it, and I think that that kept most of it at bay because he had that diligence, and I was just like home with these like one and two year olds and stuff. Um, like, oh man, I'm <laughs> thank you because I'm not gonna do it. I can't, you know, I can't prioritize that. Um, but eventually, yep, it. Uh, yeah, now it, it just looks like shit, and I look at him like, why? Like, I have some respect. Like, if you're yeah. gonna do something over it. Do something good over it. If you're gonna if you're gonna do something over a beautiful piece, put something as equally beautiful. Yeah. And don't just tag on like I could it's like me going over the spray paint and just putting Neanderthal on there. Yeah, you could say um I, in fact I might do that now. So it's it's like In fact I might. You got a piece you got a spray can what, in your car I can steal? <laughs> sure. Um I so there's a the far left corner of that mural yep. turns into Art Alley where the etiquette is you anyone can pretty much paint anywhere unless there's a sign by one of the typically it's like the property owner or, or, or like business owners they'll put up signs if they like commissioned pieces or their pieces that they don't want painted over mm-hmm. but other than that it's a free for all right back there and which is fine I get there's that sort I like of, that yeah, I mean, like for um, for the Mokes uh, Eat video, which is spelled three A T because we're potheads. I'm ready to eat. Um, ready to eat. Eat. Yeah, I love that. Track. Um, so like when we we're doing that, we had to find the best camera angle for me painting a decent bubble piece that said Mokes, and I painted over a really sick piece that I felt wrong for painting over because I wasn't doing something better you know it's like um i would argue against that i would say you were doing something better because you were making a, a video out of it which overall is its own thing be the nature of 
that alley, I didn't feel bad because I mean, my piece was bombed over like two days later or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's like vines growing up trees and stuff. Like you cut down one vine, there's another one coming up right behind it. Don't like feel bad because you're a vine climbing up this tree because you know, it's, it's, it's the jungle. It's inevitable. Um, yeah, that's where we first met, right? Shout out Mythic. Yeah. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've decided I, we, I can't be on here without giving Mythic a shout out. Um, yeah, man, you know, so I don't, I don't hate because that lasted a long time. Um, and I do have murals that sort of live on in perpetuity. There's a dope one in, um, in frickin' frack, which, you know, maybe they'll paint over one day, but it's the bunny. Uh, no, freaking frack. It's uh, I know where it's at. I, I painted. It's like right inside. Okay. And it kind of blends into the atmosphere, which I like. It's like a 1932 circa um, painting of what that block would have looked like back then. And I I built the scene using really um, photographs from oh, really? that well, I gotta that go time. See that then. Um, and so it's it's just old timey, you know. And it was really one of my early murals. So is it like if you were looking at the wall, that's what the outside would have looked like? Yeah, if you're inside, if you're inside you're and looking then looking at, at the wall, that's what the what outside. Would... The outside, you're you're looking at the front door of the bar that you're in. Oh, I love in that. Like oh, that's so cool. He did that. So do you know who Doodle Dude is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's been on the podcast a couple times. He made this little. I think that's where I first heard about him but he's got some murals he around the city um, or just made it and gave it to me yeah um I, he's he in, have you been in, inside parlor yeah absolutely i love parlor okay the the balcony upstairs balcony ish mm-hmm. area patio if you call it if you're looking north at that wall that is if that was no wall there that's what the city would look like in his doodle verse as he calls it oh cool yeah I, if, you, if you look at that's it you'll notice i've been it. up there i don't think i ever put that together but it's like you're you're always so focused on like if you're in that environment you're probably with some people that you're yeah yeah it's really hard to converse uh, um, to, to, but to i'm concentrate on that yeah. definitely going to check that out um next time i'm up there and, and take yeah so know. that's cool you did it first and he kind of i mean who, who well, i'm sure first, you didn't you know do it mean? first first but as, as first i've heard it was like oh because that's the first time i heard it was from he doing it at parlor so it was really cool to see that you did that at frickin' frack, way before he did the parlor one. Gotcha. Um, it's a, it's all like different stuff. So he showed you sort of what it would look like through his eyes. I showed you through my eyes what it looked like back in the nineteen thirties. Yeah. Um, so kind of using um, what was provided to me by uh, Max, who um, who owns frickin' frack. He gave me some like old photos or whatever to kind of like build the scene from. That's so, awesome because all the information wasn't there, but with a series, I think it was like three different photos, we're able to construct what the scene would look like. That's cool. Um, but uh, that was also when I was doing architectural illustrations, and so you know, building a scene within a three D environment and like um, just you know wasn't a f- far cry like it's a series of stepping stones of like get this down and then transfer it to this and and there was a long time ago that like especially when i was in art school i remember feeling like god if i could just do what i do in my sketchbook that i could do it on like a 20 foot wall then like i'm really going to start to feel comfortable with my capabilities and i finally gotten pretty well to that to that point like i have um 
a piece on Johnson Drive. It's a giant mammoth skull. I love that piece. That's I've on the tattoo parlor, so right? So much love uh, from that piece, even from um, like I had some meetings with the Mission Kansas um, like city council ladies who were super nice. They also sponsored my Parade of Hearts heart. Oh, um, cool. So mine was called Grateful, and they um, sponsored and set it up there. And they didn't even know that they were sponsored. So they put that heart on Johnson Drive. So you could, for a short time, you could drive Johnson Drive and see two of my pieces, um, which if anyone's familiar with how much art is along Johnson Drive, that was that was a really good accomplishment. Um, but specifically that piece, uh, which I shot – so I have a video online of, um, from painting that piece and a lot of the footage is just the stuff I, I shot. Yeah. I shot yeah. with my phone, but then my homie, uh, Mike Savage, he came out with the drone and got the really beautiful like panning shots. And he also got, um, all the aerial shots from like, uh, psych when psych and I did the racket mural. That was another big thing. I think that was a dope his, video. His brother and his brother's friend, um, Alan, they were just into like, video and shooting time like lapse handheld stuff. stuff now they they, were, they did like a bunch of uh, handheld camcorder stuff so if you uh, look at that video and you see the shots of us dipping the brushes and um you know the the sort of racked fo focus close-up shots and and going up and down the lift they were shooting that mike savage um just for the love of it came out and shot some really cool drone footage i think that was like one of his first drones or he had just gotten this drone so he was like excited to try it out um and so i i don't know since i've tried to incorporate for any project i deem uh, potentially worthy some kind of video component so like um and it, it almost always seems to be there's because you don't want to lean on any one one resource too much it's not that i there's anyone who does video in my network that i wouldn't be like hey come I got another mural, got another mural, um, you know, but you don't want to, you know, people are really nice until they're overextended. So I try and stay on the nice side mm -hmm. of things, not over ask, um, be really gracious when people do come in and film, hopefully buy them some beer, buy them a meal while they're doing it, um, and credit them appropriately and stuff. Um, I'd still owe Mike Savage some artwork. It's on my mind, Mike. I know I'm always thinking about your sticker. Um, <laughs> my bad. I'll get to it. I swear. I got the the sketch. I, I want you to draw me a tattoo. Cool. I always recommend. I'm. I, I know we I've, we talked about this. I think yeah. last time you were here is like, oh, recommend the tattoo artist to do it. But yeah, but I would be happy to sketch out or work out like the concept. Yeah. But I highly recommend you find a tattoo artist to um do the to due diligence after it or whatever just yeah to do their own take on whatever yeah. that concept is like the style the, the the i just think it would be cool to have somebody that i you know consider a friend uh, and that i really respect and i already like your art i think it, it, it'd be cool to yeah man um i think that we'll we'll probably find the opportunity i want a uh, i want a neanderthal with a uh a saber-toothed tiger cape, you uh -huh. know, like the that, like a dead 
saber tooth tiger head like he's wearing it like a helmet oh i like that you know what i mean yeah hell yeah like I, the teeth, I like that kind of teeth hanging down over uh-huh. his, yeah i think that'd be dope yeah i i like that I'd too like to, and i won't put it like on my left hand okay um yeah so i even i have some tattoo artists i'd recommend um the the homie that uh even hooked up the mammoth okay mural uh vince i i, I recommend him or um there's a dude that I highly recommend uh, named Jamie Hall, who I worked with him at Populous in architecture, but then I worked with him again when I was in marketing and he just happened to work for Sprint. And I was doing a lot of environmental design for Sprint. I was like modeling all their 3D modeling, all their um, store interiors and getting really intimately fami- familiar with the the store format planogram. So like I do, you know, the, the, um, the G7, the F9, like all the store formats, which furniture was in each one, which creative went into each one. I ran a catalog of that. And he was kind of like happened to like that kismet shit. Like, yeah. um, he's someone that I, I just run into like all of a sudden we're working together on a project where neither of us knew that uh, the other worked respectively for the other company oh, that cool. we're partnering with. <laughs> um, but he, he gave up the corporate gig to, uh, switch to tattooing and his game is leveling up really fast. He's got a shop in, the bottoms um oh okay i think it's called time walker tattoo but i could okay. totally be wrong right. i spent a little time to... down there thanks shout out to west bottoms whiskey co right we'll call them a sponsor of this episode here since we are drinking their whiskey that they gave me for free oh west bottoms whiskey co this is delicious whiskey i would be drinking more if i didn't have to drive home for my girl's bedtime um, but it is absolutely delicious. This Kansas City style. How I like my whiskey neat. I'll be in the bottoms tomorrow at um, Stockyards Brewery. Um, if you make it down there, tell them I sent you. Tell them to say hello. They're amazing people. Word. I love the artwork on that box. Yeah, he made yeah. it. Uh, his name is Murdoch. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's his, uh, yeah, he's got a tattoo. The owner, Alex, has got a tattoo of Murdoch on his shoulder, I think. that he. Yeah, they're doing big things down there. Shout out West Bottoms Whiskey. I did a. I haven't released it yet because I am a piece of shit. <laughs> but I have an episode I did. I wasn't gonna say. It. Yeah, there's this dude, uh, Chef Jay on Chef uh-huh. Jay. He's been on. Uh, you ever watched the show uh, Master Chef? Oh, oh, okay. I was gonna say probably probably not, but and I Gordon haven't Ramsey? watched Master Chef, but I'm absolutely aware of it. Yeah, he was on there, local guy. And uh, I've had him in studio before, but then I had him uh, recently. We went at West Bottoms, and they got me. I've never—I I shouldn't say I've never been that drunk before, but it's, uh-huh. it's top three drunks I've ever been in my life. They Boy. just kept feeding us, feeding us <laughs> whiskey and, and, and old fashions. I got so drunk I, I don't remember. This, you see this mm. cone right here? <laughs> I somehow woke up the next day with that in here. Like, I, I was so drunk, I, I stopped the I didn't drive. Somebody was driving. Uh-huh. I made them stop the car. I was like, I'm going to get that cone. It, you know, stopped you know hilarious? Cone. I have a cone just like that in my garage. I'm 42 years old picking up fucking cones drunk. Yeah, like when, a when you're drunk, you're, you're a fucking kid, man. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely a kid. No, I was, uh, I was on, like, the highway. No, fuck, how did it? It got stuck under my car. Oh, I've done and it that. was somewhere where I was like, okay, you could leave this cone... Um, it was like it got knocked over and stuck, got stuck under my car when I was like driving by a construction zone or something yeah. <laughs> or no. Okay. I remember what it was. It was a, the cone had been knocked over and it was one of those cases where like it's too heavy a traffic. So you can't like okay. merge out of the lane. So like 
it was either crash or drive over it and it got stuck under my car. <laughs> You're dragging and it for a while. Once the cars got around me, I stopped on the interstate and I just pulled it into the car because I was going to leave it on the interstate for someone else to run into. Sure. Um, so I went exactly like that, although a little more beat up in my garage. Um, <laughs> MoDOT, you can have it back. Um, Not mine. It almost, yeah, mine. Uh, it almost caused an accident. So if you want, you want to come for it, please bring me something nice too, uh, a gift basket or something. You ain't getting mine, bitches. I pay too much in taxes. That's my cone. Yeah, we should all get our own traffic cones. <laughs> like what, what taxes should be like. Okay, everyone gets uh, one stop sign, and you can pick out <laughs> two street signs that when they're decommissioned, um, yeah, you know, get that. Get that, too. Get your taxes worth, man. Yeah. Not, not as just, like, a nebulous idea of, like, yeah, I'm, like, supporting my society, and, like, these taxes pay for schools, and they pay for, like, you get part of the road. I thought the lottery know? paid for schools. Sure, right? Sure. No, I know taxes do go to schools too, but you know the lottery's supposed to go to schools too. I, uh, how how these teachers are only getting like thirty thousand dollars a year? I'll never know when the jackpot's like a hundred billion dollars. It seems like you wouldn't have to take too much of that to like really improve I know, yeah. some academic circumstances. Yep. You know, if if you're for the kids, you will support public education. And like medical coverage for kids, you know, universally, uh, you'll support um, parents getting paternity and maternity leave and all that shit. Like support, support the kids after they're born too. Don't just ensure that they're born. You know, make sure that they're supported afterwards, and then I'll believe you. Yeah, sorry. Or pay for their um, abortions too, Kansas. <laughs> Hey, Kansas stepped up, man. Yeah, they did. Um, they sure did. Th- they did, and uh, it was it was a pleasant surprise because, you know, I'm at odds with Kansas on a lot of things. Me too. I was very surprised. Before that vote happened, I was like, fuck, I do not trust Kansas on this. And then they passed it, and then there were still uh, some counties, some legislators in some of these counties that were like, nah, we're going to go ahead and have a recount. What time is it? You got to, you got to get out of here yet? I know we've been going. Um, I actually looked at my clock within a minute and forty five seconds of my alarm going off. Wow! Yeah, pretty good. Um, but well, let's get you the hell out of here. No, I got I got a little longer. Let's uh, let's take another twenty minutes or so. If, cool. If you got it, and if you day. have the endurance to suffer through us for another twenty minutes, yeah, not guys, suffer. Cause you guys good. got it out there. You got another twenty minutes in you. You got another twenty minutes in you. Hold it out. You you gotta you gotta work on flexing those muscles, you know, on the regular. Get them get them strong. Yeah, and it's too late to Keep mention this now, but you know, chop this bad boy up into a couple couple sessions. Listen to twenty minutes here, and then twenty minutes tomorrow, twenty minutes the next day. Make a Neanderthal podcast throughout your week, twenty minutes at a time. Yeah, there you go. I mean, my last episode I just dropped was like three hours. I don't know how long we've been going, but. Uh, I think we're under two, but who knows? I mean, most of our episodes have been like two plus hours. Yeah, or something. we usually like go definitely the distance. over an hour. <clears throat> I am all about going the distance, or at least trying. I'm all about trying. Like, that's what I can. Yeah, promise, I try, especially try. if I get one of them blue chews or them dick pills from the gas station in me. I'm going the distance, baby. Holla at your boy. I've, I've DM never, me. Uh, 
this isn't this is not a flex. I've never I've never uh, you know dabbled. I've dabbled just because uh, I dabble in a lot of things. Uh-huh. I was like, what is this about? Let's try it. Yeah, I won't say I've never been tempted. I just feel like uh, I feel like my wife would find it really annoying. Um, <laughs> but uh, that that's probably circumstantial, you know. Just get her um, liquored up. Bring bring her some of this West Bottoms whiskey. Pop one of those uh, she like whiskey, hymns. But uh, yeah, you know, I I Rhino. It'll 3, happen one, one day, one day. I should be like, God damn it. No, I can't kidding. go anymore. Stop. You got to stop. Finish yourself off. <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but that probably is how it would go. Yeah. 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 Um, no, let's do, let's do a few more minutes, whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know what we haven't talked about, but, uh, you know, before we even got on the air, we were having, we had basically had a podcast worth of, um, discussing just like everything we've gone through with COVID and everything mental like emotionally, health. mental health. Boy, so many of my conversations, especially with with Ugh. the homies and stuff, it's like mental health comes up a lot because yeah, uh, we've like everyone's been dealing with it. Yeah, you know? mine, mine. I not that I don't bang the mental health drum, mm-hmm. but I used to bang it really hard on this podcast when I first started because mental health, uh, for lack of a better term or whatever, is is the reason I started this podcast. I was really oh yeah, so I was freshly divorced. And I, although I wanted to be divorced and asked for it, a lot of emotions and things come along with that that you don't, at least I didn't expect to come along with it. And especially because having kids and, you know, it's you see kind this of, kind of a con- like a conduit or like an, an opportunity to get some shit off your chest. No, thing, this or? was uh, so I was. I was I've never been depressed before I got diagnosed mm-hmm. with like they call it situational depression. Mm hmm. Like I was literally suicidal. I was in a deep, deep, dark like, like place. Like just ideation, or like actual close to. I mean, I had a, a rope around my head, a rope around my neck uh, that was also tethered to a balcony, and was I wrote a note. I mean, I was ready. I was ready. I wrote like a two-page note, ready to go. Yeah. Um. Somebody found out, called the cops on me. Uh. I ended up in a you know, mental hospital for a few days. I didn't want to go, but they made me stay there. I went on a hunger strike yeah. while I was there. It was fucking brutal. Um, and then just figured, uh, I, I just, uh, my dad came and visited me mm-hmm. and just gave me the stupid old age question. What would you do with your life? If money didn't matter, you could do anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't even think about it. My first thing was a podcast. I want to be a podcast. Okay. I'd like to have a podcast and be a podcaster. It's like, well, why don't you just do it then? So, yeah. All right, I will. Yeah. And then super long, crazy story that's a whole other podcast in mm-hmm. itself. I got all the equipment and started podcasting to give me uh, – I, I don't – it's hard to say because I have my – I do have kids and I love and live for my kids. But when mm-hmm. you're in a deep depression, you don't – you just – you you don't even – thinking is just not in the realm of possibility. So I was just like, I have to have something to live for Yeah. when I don't have, I don't have them all the time. I wish I had them all the time, but I yeah. don't. So I need to do something to keep my mind and to keep myself busy and preoccupied and mentally focused on something to get me out of this depression and to get my life in a better place. 
And so that's where this kind of spawned out of was I'm mm-hmm. going to be a podcaster. And so I used to bang the mental health stuff a lot back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then now just I got this other shit creeping up on me that just came out of the blue. And I'm not depressed. I'm not suicidal. I don't, I don't want to say never, but I don't think mm-hmm. I'll ever get back to that point again. I think I learned a lot going through that stuff. Yeah. Um, but now I'm just dealing with some other shit that uh, I'm having a hard time dealing with. And yeah, so that's what we were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and all that and, shit, um, yeah. I was, I was relating uh, with you to at least a, a decently large yeah. degree just about um, one as far as this point in time. I mean, losing your job during COVID shit. must have thrown you into a fucking tailspin. Yeah, I put a lot more self-identity into my job than I should have and a sense of self-worth. I was paid... I think that's normal, though. I, w- I was paid what... Uh, compared to my expectations of what I would ever make as an artist, I was making really good money. And um, and so I think that I... I spent a bunch of years on, almost with a sense of... Um, imposter syndrome but not not really like when i worked in architecture i had imposter syndrome but i just workaholic my way through that to to level up as quick as i could and um ensure that what i was providing was the quality that they wanted because the firm that i worked for uh, hired me on as an architectural illustrator which was only really a, a job that made sense because it was in an industry in major league sports and that's an industry where the owners and stuff like there's kind of this nba nba state uh arenas or something it was like it was mostly uh, major league ballparks and collegiate ballparks with um some small amounts of like nfl and like some convention centers and like event spaces and that kind of thing um so like one of the projects and this was after i got laid off by them and that was in 2009 um uh, like I immediately was freelancing with them. It was like truly just, you know, the economy crashed. I was calling other architecture firms and I remember like talking to one architect who was just like, just go work at a grocery store. Listen to me, just give up, <laughs> go work at a grocery store, just bag groceries because this is never, <laughs> oh, shit, like, that is not a friend, but he, he was the last, it was his architecture firm and he had lost like every employee every and i think it was a smallish firm and he like probably was feeling very depressed about it, it and, sounds like it um and i was like okay i'm not going to do that that's when i diversified i got into doing storyboards and i got into marketing and then from there um started doing uh like just various like seeing what can i provide i learned 3d modeling so that i could provide um uh value uh doing retail like retail marketing was mostly what we did. So it was like, um, you know, if you're, if, if you have a campaign to suggest you can do in situ, which I did a lot of like in situ stuff, like here's the environment. Now put your creative in it, you know, like someone, another designer would design like the poster that's supposed to go in the store environment, but I modeled the store environment and then the poster would go in there. Eventually like sprint was one of our big clients and they, loved what I was doing so much that what I was doing became its own scope of work and like built out to become like I was managing, uh, not man. I was, I was keeping a running catalog of every format of their store environments and whatever creative was in that store environment and every angle, like every capacity, every, um, what they would call a priority. Uh, and, 
it's like getting intimately knowledgeable about their the catalog their coding of you know you've got a uh, you know you have a poster here but there's also a backside and you have a poster here and there's a poster here and and these are for a product and then there's a wall and there's posters all on that wall and um you know, it's valuable for them to, instead of just running down like a list of codes, I mean, like, well, we have this poster here and we have, you know, this poster is in priority two and this poster is in priority like eight, but you don't even know which direction I, I, I could provide a visual that then the client saw like, oh, we want to be able to see what's in our store at any given point in time from all, from these variety of angles, um, because then they could go into their meetings, um, informed, Okay. about what was going on and then they Golly. could they could avoid um issues with uh like you know you not you might not know that the uh p2 and um like p8 banners are on the same side of a kiosk so you're you know having those be the same creative is like <laughs> extremely redundant or that's so, so stupid you know, how I mean, much crazy shit's involved with that kind of stuff but, wow. yeah but a company like that every like, little detail dude, yeah yeah absolutely and then um that you know, that 3D modeling at LG was a client. And so I was like um, designing uh, prospective fixtures for LG to sit in sprint stores. And then I was also doing illustrations for LG to go on their packaging. Was all this stuff to, satisfying to you? It was engaging. Fulfilling? No, engaging. Okay. Engaging and um, sustaining because I got paid good money right. um, to do this. <clears throat> My job was a uh, senior conceptual artist um shout out robin wrestler one of uh one of my bosses that has like looked out for me and one of the people like if i work with or for someone who invests the time and energy into understanding what my capabilities are then i become like this wow. this ultimate swiss army knife of creativity wow. that you can you know, you can plug me into so many <laughs> scenarios. Like I, you know, I could do the uh, in situ environment, but I can. I would also work on like campaigns. Um, so I did like posters for you know AMC. I did uh, and some animation for um, illustrations for for Disney. I did um, some uh, packaging for the roastery, but I also helped design um, drive through for the roastery and help uh, work on the interior design for like the roasteries brookside cafe and partnered with i th uh, i'm gonna get the name wrong i was gonna say the fabricator um which i think i remember who it was but i worked with a number through the years and i just don't want to say the wrong name but um so I, I my title was senior conceptual artist and there was no job description because as long as i could keep my coworkers um informed of kind of like what i was doing and the stuff that i could do there was always a place to put me because if we need fact tags, like the price tags, like the, you know, that you have, <laughs> like I, I spent probably two weeks of my career designing fucking fact tags. You know, because <laughs> you gotta that's be real what we careful with that word. Um, <laughs> fact, fact, fact. There was a, remember, I, I'm going to get canceled right now, but remember the old thing, if you had your tag, that your shirt tag in the back sticking up, they always call that a fag tag. We um, at least my the the, the de degenerates that I when, that I hung around with in the little nineties people don't don't I never called it that dude I I did so many maybe once so much twice. insensitive shit <laughs> like being one of the smear more, the queer oh my god remember that game yeah we were the nineties so, were wild so 80s. insensitive but it was like it wasn't it was that it didn't have that, that yeah and it didn't have that intention 
No, because pe- people were having their um, their sense of identity completely trampled over, and nobody gave a fuck because there was no voice for that. And I think that you know, it's like the more there's internet, the more there's um, because you and I are older than the internet, which is like. No, oh, that's that, weird. That, that gem that I love the idea of, you know, dropping on my kids. Um, <laughs> I never thought about that. Up, we are older than We grew that. up in like a really crazy nexus of, you know, like my great grandfather had a, um, uh, like a smithing studio on our family farm, which they grew up in with wow. no electricity, uh, which was. Oh, my great grandfather uh, painted billboards. That's awesome. That's yeah. a, that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, so so it's like they to, painted them back then. Yeah, I know. You had to paint to paint everything. Man. Yeah, you, you watch like Mad, Mad Men and stuff, and it's like every concept is some artist toiling away to to make a visual. We have a lot easier now, but um, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We live in a crazy time where uh, you know we're still tethered to the more um analog like our seemingly archaic way of life uh via our ancestors and whatever generations even came over i think it was in my family it was like my great 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 oh, sure. grandfather that came over or maybe one more great but it wasn't much more than that you know it's a long um, time ago though it it wasn't it, it wasn't it wasn't you know, I mean, my um, my in-laws, my my uh, my nephew, he's having a kid. Shout out Christian and Carly. Um, and my mother and father-in-law that live with us are going to be great grandparents. You yeah. know, I think like in my family, they, we all waited to have kids. Um, and so I didn't grow up in like a big family. It's kind of big enough that we were in family functions. Like I think. Yeah, mine's you know, pretty small a small handful of cousins and stuff. And so I've kind of been low key jealous of like the, the families where you like go to, um, a holiday event. It's like just fucking a mob of people, you know, um, and everyone's like yelling at each other or whatever. But then if you haven't had that, then it's like, oh man, that'd be cool to have this much family. Have yeah. I don't, I never had that. I'm a real small, tight knit little family. Uh, my grandparents are dead. It's just my parents. Uh-huh. When I go see them and my kids, yeah, my uh, my grandparents uh, all passed away when I was pretty young. Um, like my grandpa on my mom's side made it to ninety seven. That was whoa, um, nice. He probably passed away um, ninety seven. What kind of shit did that guy see and go through? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like damn near World, the Wild World West. War One. <laughs> Like his dad was in the Wild West, you know, seeing that kind of shit, saloons and shootouts. That, yeah, the I mean, invention of the car. It feels like we're getting away from that at an exponential speed. Kind of. I mean, we are, but also, like you just said, when you tell your kids, "I was around before the mm-hmm. internet." Like, what? What are our kids going to tell their grandkids? I was around before space travel. But before, like, uh, public space travel, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was around before you could go to Mars. <laughs> I was around before AI took over the world and <laughs> enslaved humanity. Or or it could be, I was around to see uh, that meteor hit us and take out technology, and here we are 
fighting nature's metal in real life trying yeah, to shout, survive. Shout out uh, Friday the 13th, 2029, April, that asteroid the size of the Empire State Or 2062 or whenever it comes back I around. I think it was 2068 that they're, they're worried that if uh, they try and break it up, it's going to come circling back. And well, break, well, if they break it up, it'll just hopefully most of it burn up in our atmosphere and what doesn't will hopefully mm-hmm. just land in some oceans. My, my father-in-law's good point was like, if it passes that close to our atmosphere, what's that going to do to the communication system? Like what satellites, right. is it going to just smash through and like knock, you know, a uh, cue ball knock back into our, our atmosphere. So we've got so many satellites up there though. Yeah. The big, there are big worries of just, it'd be, uh, it'd be a blip, but yeah, you know, but, but still a solar flare knocking shit out, a meteor, a vol- you know, mm-hmm. you know, Yellowstone could blow up any day. Yeah, my, my nine-year-old was stressing about the idea of, like, 2068. And I was like, sweetheart, if you, you make it to 2068, you're going to have a lot of worries between now and then, trust me. Yeah, that's only 40-something years away. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it's a— uh, Hell, we could make it there. What was the— um, Josh Clark from uh, Stuff You Should Know podcast, uh, he did—what was it? End of— end of the world uh someone's gonna be shouting this on on you know listening in their headphones but he did like a seven part like each episode um uh visited an existential crisis and i think all of which didn't exist a hundred years ago and now it was because it was like global warming and it was nuclear um weapons but then it was also uh you know i'm not um, worried about nuclear weapons like uh yeah it, that seems like <clears throat> one of the less likely um and and uh that's sort of how he posed it he he put really strong threats on um like germ manipulation pandemics or something and stuff uh yeah like the kind of like what we just work. went through yeah yeah we- weaponizing um weaponizing germs and even just what you know seemingly benign um engineering of uh, germs and cells and stuff that can potentially have catastrophic results if released into the world if there's a security breach at, um, you, you know, at one of these labs or something. or something. And there's Wuhan. The, you know, he was describing like an absolute abhorrent lack of oversight into these sorts of industries. Which well, look what yeah, like well, yeah. look what we just went through. I mean, that I, I was calling it years ago mm-hmm. that it they escaped from that lab. I still believe that it is. I don't think there's any real evidence that says it didn't happen from I, there. I think that it is a very plausible. I think it's more um, likely than it didn't. I am eternally skeptical of anything that hasn't been proven. Uh, uh, it hasn't been proven to me, but that absolutely seems likely. It seems most likely. Because um, they haven't found it in any animals. They haven't found patient zero in any animals or anything like that. I mean, it just, I mean, it started, in, I don't need to get into it. I've, and and China, as my nine-year-old would say, is cray-cray. Yeah. Which I yes, was, they are. Yes, they are. China's the the one I worry about. They yeah. they think they think about the future. They've got a goal. They got a world domination goal by like twenty thirty three or something like that. They have they have goals, aspirations. I I believe I believe it. They're probably learning a lot from us. 
Oh yeah, yeah they, well they steal everything from us. Of course they've learned a lot about us. Yeah. They, oh yeah. <laughs> all they do yeah, is steal come, from us. Come to China. We'll uh, we have we have great resources for you to set up your um your your laboratories. Oh yeah, your uh you know your IP. Don't yeah. Worry. Yeah. Don't we, worry. Don't worry about that. that. It's safe. Don't. It's safe we with us. Yeah. Oh, guess what? It's ours now. What are you shit out of luck now? Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think shame on whoever whoever fell for that, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, we're cheaper. That, well, greed. That's greed. Yeah. Well, and, and and this could sort of be greed, but also just um, just, you know, lost in the momentum of whatever um, industry, you know, you're in. Or whatever. It's like you know, a surgeon is gonna want to perform surgery. A programmer is gonna want to program. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Nazis want to gonna want to you know gas people, whatever. Um, all fucked. right, and on that note, no. we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you want to end this bad boy, there, Daniel? Uh, I could. Rap a little bit. Want to rap a little yeah, bit? Do a few minutes. So rap a song and get the fuck out of here. Everyone who's enjoyed looking at my visual arts through this long uh, interview, you'll now get a taste of my lyrical stylings. Um, also, check out Mokes M O K S on Spotify and YouTube. Check out his yeah. videos. I love them. And uh, Lucid Flows. So we, I have two tracks: as Lucid Flows and Mokes has two tracks. We've got a bunch of music queued up to release. I have. A whole album I've been sitting on, and, um, and you got a whole like, album, yeah, and, and a whole bunch. I of think you had a whole singles. album last time you were here. You were sitting You've on. You probably listened to it, yeah. I mean, my I went through a crisis. You know what I mean? I'm not. <laughs> it'll be new when when everyone everyone hears it. It's you know, it's gonna be new. It's gonna sound new. I've ahead of the time. I have, I have a song called "The End" that at, I swear, like when I wrote it, it just it didn't seem you know it's like pre-Trump and everything. It was like you you might you might have kind of dug it. Or whatever, but now it's like it's aged like a fine wine. You play nice. it and it's gonna be like, uh, and if boy, if I release it in like five years, it'll probably be like, oh my god, dude, he he's like striking the chord of like what's happening in our world right now. All right, I'm gonna put on some random beats. I don't. This is the playlist. I'm gonna see if I can rap to. Okay, I got some of this. Gotta wait for it to come back around. Me and the talk, loose and flows. Hot cha cha, wheel was a verbal crowd, my god. Spit hot love, I threw up a shoe, dash, I cry. See if I lie, my child, my tongue's a blade of slice. Time not, I say I'm nice with the blah blah blah. So sick of seas, only overtime has been achieved. The early bird gets the one, but the second mouse will get the cheese. Well, everyone's in such a rush away. I was always running late, busy doing what it takes to achieve something great and underrated. Artists to God, I was just stretch as rare. Fear to wear the skill that I possess to share. Rhymes in effect to clear me fresher than the breath of air. One day, but never afraid to stay the center, never set of stairs. Whoever dare, in and rinning down the beds, best beware the size of the sauces, and trying to find the best you can. Head away to wild things are, I'll be back once the frowns finally because Yo, 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 wrote it all, flow to introduce you to a duo most folks don't know yet I bet they will soon, cause most gon' blow No Joe Schmo, they call me sensei in my foes, though Joe's skills superior Brainstorming, lyrics poor, gears of war, grinding, I'm a lion Hear me roar, never with my spirit, soon wings made out of paraffin I swear I've been a people for but never be down there again Snare within a lair, soon I don't care if they're my kin, I fear them Uh...
Keep it crop circles coming out of Midtown. Kansas City here to show you how we get down. Roll up, pass the spliff round. Blaze one, two, three, four, four. Got where we came from. Bass drum rattling my brain. I'm a screws loose, cruise through town. Smoke spilling out the moonwalk. Sipping on fruit juice, puffing on lime green. High plains, post smoke pros from my pipe tree. Vizine drops of what I used to keep my eyes clean. Slightly dipping in the whip, bumping ice cream. Glance in the rear view. What's behind me? High beams flashing. Fell out by some sirens. Sweat on my brown now. Foul in my hygiene. Pull to the shoulder. And he passed by me, screaming to the white crime scene. Yeah, safe for the time being. It goes one time for your mind. Sight rhymes line for line. The Einstein of the spoken sport. Raise your arms high like it's rising, shine. Away from side to side, it's a show support. Two times for the wordplay patterns that I weave. Fortify live, I'ma hold the fort. Take the chosen horse and send it back to Greece. Hack the pieces by the legion of the Shogun's sword. Loose it on deck, put the jets at the takeoff. Aim high, green skies, jerk, draw the way across. The line of sight behind which lies the great beyond gone Y'all the artificial you're in the chaos That's a cool vibe Alright, they got me guessing Slow or fast? Uh, yeah do it for myself, do it for my fam, do it to prove that I can. Just for the me possibility, something is filling me. With the pulling and soliloquy, I'm shell surfaces, taking the rhythms. Utilities, pieces, and the freaks, and skillfully spill my seed with the gorilla, virility, guilty, dropping with chopping, no kill the king. Bring it into his ability, go for the kitchen, set of the children free. Popular facilities, no more civility, did the cops stop with the killing spree? Will it be peace or will it be war? Will the poor people still be ignored? Ain't nothing funny when you were hungry, the world made the money, and none of it's yours. Why do we promise this sign of stream when huddle masses shut up on our shores? American dreaming, shut Light so bright, you swear that it was a beacon flame for the moss. Hope came at the cost, and not cause the loss. Protect the system that's broken, we're breaking the laws. Linking me up, and then maybe your boss. Uh, yeah, I like that beat. Let's count the interest, get down to business. Fully considered that you all battling with the amount I invest in moves made. Couple with the dudes paid in great crusades to pursue the aim to go to Goose Lake. Make a souffle, get the cream, stack cheese, raise dough, break bread. Ensure my family stays fair, get ducks by the bucket. Screw on large bills, down to the top of my collar. Uh, Shitload of cryptocurrency so I can live a life worry free. And when you're in the spend, pounds by the pound, a whole room for the gold doubloons. Time is money, then some of that too. Fuck, I want some of that too, yeah. That's right. All right, what's the, what's the next beat? That one's kind of uh, it's kind of placating. It's kind of putting me to sleep. Here, put this in. We can try this real quick. Put that in real quick. I was just, we'll ride with it. We'll okay. we'll we'll get more technologically okay. um, cool with it next time. Cool. Is what? Let's see what uh, playlist is this? This is uh, that's my mom's playlist. Uh, that's Uh. I pray for God to keep me safe While I take the leap of faith Ought to catch this dream I've chased along Don't let it be a waste it Can't be all for nada 
Give it it all I got God, I want it so bad that I might go mad I built these wings to bear the birds of my ambitions Carry them across the divide for the life I live it at the heights My mind's a vision to strive for insight and wisdom We're fighting for my convictions against the city The system's affliction, apathetic excess Ignorance greed, a population blinded like we use our fingertips to read This pool of school is smaller fish to wish for bigger fish to feed the Government ain't the leadership we need to cook the fourth and silence Puppet pawns the power, pawns his pilots If you lost to the world, suggest you look to God for guidance And to the love is mother to hate to be Determined to suffer the fate of submerging under the leg of fire These wings won't take me higher, I'm gone I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone Gotta dip, so I go put my kids to sleep Peace Yeah, bye Yo, thanks for uh, having me again, man. This is always fun, and I won't wait as long. I'm going to bring some people next time. Um, and if you've listened this long, then... What's wrong with you? You're down Get a life. Fuck. Yeah, get a, <laughs> get a fucking life. With, get a life, mother... Yeah. 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 Yeah, this was awesome, man. I always love having you, man. I love it, man. Wait, yeah, I think we have a good combo. I don't know anyone else uh, feels that way, but I enjoy it, and that's really what matters. I've always said I don't care. This is right? my podcast, you know. I've, that's it. It's about what we want to enjoy. Thanks, I've, man. I've learned that if you do what you love, what you enjoy, someone is going to feel it. And oh, they're yeah. probably going to feel it deeper because it's something that you love and you enjoy and is personal to you um, than the artist who appeals you know, to the broader demographic yeah, or whatever. And that's kind of the lane I like to slide into. So thanks, man. Uh, hey, hey, here's some stickers. I brought some because sti- I didn't have a lot of new stickers. I brought you actually some old stickers. Here's a anti anti crew sticker. Uh, check out their music. Um, okay. Old old group. Uh, Jeffrey Schaefer, Matt Peters. Matt Peters uh, works for yeah. I Strange know. Music I know these of days. Matt Peters. Yeah. Um, Seth Crew sticker. Oh, uh, dope, dope. Psych design that and, and logo. Um, there's old human crop circle sticker. Here's a Seth Crew logo. Uh, Damn. S- sticker that I designed. Here's oh a shit. Clever Rev sticker. Um, got a bunch of those. Um, Hell yeah! And while we were sitting here, you always bring me I, fun stuff. I drew that shit for you. That's <laughs> fucking as, dope. Is a monkey, monkey, monkey on the mic? Oh you know shit! I mean? That is fucking dope. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's dope, man. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Maybe I'll put that on my hand as a tattoo. That's Word. dope. Daniel. Yeah, you're the man. Always real. Thank you, dude. Yep. Bye.